Blog Talk Radio.
Watson's favorite target is Artavis Scott, a receiver who once appeared headed to Miami but was shunned by the Hurricanes. He had almost 1,000 yards last season and has 443 in the first half of this year, including 162 yards last week. But like Miami, Clemson also has a stable of five other receivers and a tight end who are active parts of the passing game. The Tigers run the football, too, with tailback Wayne Gallman averaging 5.5 yards per carry. It's the type of offensive proficiency that has given Miami problems throughout the golden era, so there's little reason to believe that this is not an offensive attack that might also put up a 300-yard first half like FAU, Cincinnati, and Florida State were able to do earlier this season. So Miami's best shot in this game at high noon on Saturday might be to win a shootout. But Clemson has a stout defense also, one that has been allowing under 300 yards all year. The Tigers get after the quarterback, which is going to put a lot of pressure on the Hurricane offensive line that has struggled all season. Miami's going to have to run the football, very similar to the way it did against Virginia Tech. But like it was against FSU, that figures to be a tough chore against the very, very good Clemson defense. But the Hurricanes are going to have to stay committed to that run, just like they did in the Tech game, because if you become one-dimensional against Clemson, this game could get pretty ugly. So add it all up, and it is quite the challenge for a Miami team that might not be able to afford another loss this season. As Duke, Pittsburgh, and North Carolina continue to remain unbeaten in the Coastal, and none of those teams play FSU or Clemson this season, much less both of them. We'll talk about all of that and more tonight on a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to the fastest three hours in Hurricane Sports. As always, it's your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. We have more than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. You're welcome to listen on the phone lines. As always, we haven't had any problems with with packing all 100 lines, so... um, You once again are welcome to listen if you're driving around in your car or whatever and can't get online and listen to the stream. You're welcome to listen over the phone lines as long as those phone lines exist. If you want to talk on the show, remember, all you got to do is hit the number one on your keypad, and that will prompt us that you'd like to come on the show. As always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to submit questions and topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Here's some of what they've come up with. What has happened to Malcolm Lewis? Well, I, I, you know, I think it's, that one's pretty simple. You've had other receivers emerge, and there's only so many footballs to go around. Who are you going to take off the football field? Herb Waters? Stacy Coley? You know, Rayshon Scott? I don't think so. And then you've got the emergence of uh, Chris Herndon, obviously, and David, David Njoku, who are getting a lot of reps. That's five guys right there. Braxton Berrios gets spotted in every now and then. You know, Tyree Brady's been playing. So the question about what's happened to Malcolm Lewis is really very simple. He's been beaten out by other guys. What 
would you attribute the four turnovers that the defense got against Virginia Tech to? Scheme pressure? Just guys making plays? How much time does Coach Golden require to have on the clock before halftime in order for him to give the leading passer in the ACC a chance to run a two-minute offense? You know, I know a lot of guys had a problem with that the other day, but the truth is there really was only about a minute left in, in the half, and Miami had the full length of the field to go. And a tie ball game, there really was not a lot of reason to risk a negative play in that situation and, you know, try to go into the two-minute offense. I personally didn't have a problem with Al Golden's decision in that regard, but the Hurricanes obviously lucked out. Uh, Virginia Tech jumped off sides on that play, which was an automatic in the Miami offense for go routes by the receivers. Kaya threw it up there. Herb Waters came down with it. Miami was in business, and as you know, went on to score what I think was the pivotal moment in the game a touchdown that gave them a seven-point halftime lead. And I think when you look back on this season down the road, if it's successful, you will look back to that play as the play that turned this Miami football season in the right direction. Um, I thought it was absolutely huge. Will Mark D'Onofrio give Jamal Carter a look in, at, in the linebacker role against the primary spread team this week? Or are they just going to trot out Trent Harris and uh, Tyreek McCord and Mike Smith, who haven't the required speed to be a decent linebacker option? And I think that's a great question. Um, it's one that we can't answer right now. But i got to think here over the next couple of days when they go into game planning, that has to be, in my opinion, something that you look at. Um, I've always wondered why Jamal Carter wasn't getting a look in certain situations at linebacker. And now with the injury situation being as critical as what it is, it does make a lot of sense to take a look at Carter in that type of role, particularly in passing situations. And I don't know if you guys have been watching, but Tyreek McCord, to me, looks like an absolute fish out of water trying to play linebacker. So, you know, basically you got Jawan Young, you got Jermaine Grace, and to me, that's about it at linebacker uh, that you could expect to put into this football game on Saturday and be serviceable against the quality Clemson team. So, yes, it will be interesting to see if Mark D'Onofrio does try to get Jamal Carter into some kind of role there at the linebacker spot. Are the coaches taking an active role to fix some of the penalties and mistakes that have been hurting the team? Well, we spoke to Trevor Darling today. You'll see the story tomorrow morning on canesport.com. But one of the things that they've done is that if an offensive lineman commits a penalty, he owes the team 250 up-downs on Sunday. And I don't know how many of you guys have done up-downs out there, but if you got to do 250 straight up-downs, um, I think that's physically grueling enough to maybe you know inspire you to concentrate a little bit better on game day. Yet, the Hurricanes continue to be plagued, and there were several of them in the Virginia Tech game, plagued by just silly motion penalties and false starts and things like that that really are crippling the offense. This offense has not functioned very well in bad down and distance situations. When when it's on schedule and, and gaining forward progress on first down and second down, it, it does a better job on third down. But if it gets in third and long, the conversion rates, as you know, have not been very good. And I think it's very important, particularly in this Clemson game, that the offensive line clean up its act and stop putting the offense in bad situations. And if it takes 250 up-downs, um, then great, 
hope it works because it's obviously something that, that definitely needs to change. It was pretty clear in the Virginia Tech game that Jawan Young is a bigger, faster, and better tackler than Rafael Kirby. Where has he been? Does Al Golden really have the best players on the field? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I felt the same way, and, and you know, I've always questioned whether Rafael Kirby was going to be good enough at the middle linebacker spot to carry this defense. Uh, I, I think when you look at the results of some of the games, the 300-yard halves have been given up. I think that was a legitimate question. Uh, he's hurt now. He's out for the season. You certainly, you know, would hate to discuss him in a negative vein considering what he's going through. But Jawan Young looked dynamic out there the other day. Uh, his first play, he came out and they had a good call on a screenplay. And had he not made this play, it would have gone for a lot of yards. And he fought off his blocker, and he made the tackle on the screen for what I believe, if I remember correctly, a, a loss of a couple yards. And it was one of the best, to me, defensive plays that we've seen out of Miami the entire season. And then he went on from there. He intercepted a pass. He was running to the football all over the field. And, and I thought Jawan Young, without question, proved on Saturday – that he belongs in this Miami defense, and I don't think you're ever going to be able to take him out of it again as long as he stays healthy. Now, you ask where he's been? Well, that's where he's been. I mean, he was hurt in the preseason, uh, missed a lot of training camp, which set him back, and you know he's been trying to find the role here the last few weeks. Coaches said he was making progress coming into this game anyway, and when his number was called, uh, he was ready to go, and that that was it was what was really important was he put a lot of time in, even though it didn 't look like he was going to play a lot. He put a lot of time in during the week uh studying his playbook and getting mentally ready to play that game and that 's why it was just such a seamless transition when they did put him on the field. Somebody is asking me personally in my film review, I mentioned that the defensive line seems to be taking itself out of plays with some of its slants and the different schemes that they're running. And I'm being asked, why do they slant so much? How much harder does that make it on the linebackers to fill the gaps? Well, a lot of the times there is no linebacker filling the gaps. And um, so, you know, without intricate knowledge of what's called and how it's being executed, I can't really answer that question. But it, without a doubt, it has been very problematic for the defense the way the defensive linemen at times have been taking themselves out of running plays and leaving huge space for running backs to roam for big games and uh, big games rather. And that was obviously an issue the other day against Virginia Tech. And I thought Miami was very fortunate to get out of there with the victory uh, when you consider it was a three-point game in, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Are there any answers at the offensive line position? And does all the shuffling that's been going on continue for the rest of the season. Well, I think one of the um, unfortunate things facing this team right now is the fact that they were not able to settle on an offensive line rotation in training camp. And I think it's been a, a, a significant problem for the offense in the first half of the, of the season. Although I, I must admit, I'm not seeing the same degree of concern from the coaches or the players. And, I, and I've asked both about it and most, you know, they don't seem to be very troubled by it. But I've always found in all my years of covering football that an offensive line functions best when it can build continuity and chemistry. And without a doubt, when you're going series by series and, you know, 
different guys are playing different positions uh, every five minutes. Um, I just don't know that that's the best way uh, to get the most out of your offensive line position. And and uh, I, I think that's why, you know, part of the reason, other than the fact that guys just aren't playing well enough, that you're seeing the offensive line significantly holding back this offense right now. Because um, when you look at the way the receivers are performing, Brad Kaya continues to get better and better. The running backs, you can't say one negative thing about them the entire season. Uh, when you put all that together, man, this has got to be one of the most potentially potent offenses around the country. And it's not turning into that because of all the problems they're having up front on the offensive line. Anything going on in practice to fix the defense against the option game? There's no doubt that Clemson has watched film of the last two games and is going to exploit this major problem if nothing is done to fix it. I've found this pretty hard to believe, to be honest with you, because uh, when you are a team that plays Georgia Tech every year, Conventional wisdom would be that in spring practice and fall training camp, you would spend at least a few minutes when you're installing your base defense into just basic responsibilities against the option. But Miami, the three times, once against Florida State and twice by Virginia Tech, that the option's been run against the defense, there hasn't been anybody on the pitch guy. I mean, it's hard to understand or believe. But there's there's been nobody on the pitch guy, and it's gone for either a touchdown or a big gain every single time. Now, they've got a few weeks to go before they play Georgia Tech this year, and obviously that's something that they're going to have to shore up before they play uh, the Yellow Jackets. But I absolutely agree with the poster. I mean, you know with a running quarterback that Clemson almost certainly is going to at least throw one or two option plays in there just to see if the Miami defense has figured out how to defend it yet. So um, got to believe it's being addressed in practice and uh, that hopefully if Clemson does make that call on Saturday, the defense will be ready for it this time. Given the mess of the offensive line, why has Art Kehoe not gotten more heat? The poster asks, this really has been an ongoing concern dating back to an inability to pick up a single yard at the goal line to Kansas State a few years ago. Last year, Miami had an all NFL offensive line and still couldn't pick up the short yardage when needed. It seems like they do great in pass blocking, but not so much in run blocking. More than his coaching is his recruiting or lack thereof an issue. With Kehoe's pedigree, you would think he has every door open when he recruits offensive linemen. And, you know, this is an interesting question. And, I, you know, I think the reason that Art Kehoe has not gotten more heat is because he's Art Kehoe. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, revered around uh, University of Miami football circles for several decades now. And, you know, he's almost got like a, um, a Teflon shield around him, so to speak, when it comes to criticism from the fans. Um, but... I don't think it's a coaching issue. I think it's it's a talent issue, and I, and I think it does go back to recruiting. And I, I do think they need to recruit better at the offensive line position. Now they brought a bunch of guys in this past year, most of being redshirted, which is a, a very positive thing. But you know, without question, they need to get better players at the offensive line position than what they have right now. And uh, you know, Art's calling card has never been recruiting. And 
if if things hold together with the staff, you know, I'd like to see other members of the staff maybe get more aggressively involved with offensive linemen if 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 Art's not the guy that can go out there around the country and get them because you do really have to go out and get offensive linemen. There aren't a lot in the state of Miami, so to speak. Um, and yeah, without a doubt, it's it's a lingering issue for the program overall in general. I'm being asked by a poster to address the continuing narrative that has been going on that the Miami administration does not care about being a lead anymore. There's been on and off talk, a lot of it by me, about how they do care and how they're spending lots of money. Oh, and and that spending lots of money on a coach is not necessarily the route to go. And I totally believe that. You know, you, you don't just pay a coach $5 million for the sport of it so that the fan base can say, oh, yeah, and pound their chest. We're financially committed to the program. I mean, you look around the country, the latest list that was put out by USA Today of coaching salaries, and look at how many of those guys are overpaid. Do you want to see your school overspending for a coach? So I think those are individual issues. But to continue onward, um, Matt Shodell said a few days ago that he doesn't think that the administration wants to fire Golden. And I would agree with that. No, nobody wants to fire the head coach. They want to see the head coach be successful. And a lot of that definition will be defined Saturday in the Clemson game. Because if Miami doesn't win that game, it means going another season without a significant victory. The team would be 4-3. and three, and would have two losses while everybody else that's a contender in the Coastal doesn't have any unless somebody loses this weekend. So, you know, it's going to be problematic if Miami doesn't win this game. And uh, so, I you know, the administration doesn't want to fire Al Golden, but that doesn't mean they're not objectively looking at the results this year. And it doesn't mean that there's going to be a very hard evaluation of the program, as everybody knows there will be, and that there's a, a reasonable possibility that a change might be made if Miami is not successful here down the stretch. So I, you know, I think that that is the best way. To, I'm so, sorry, I paused for a minute. I was just reading the rest of the long-winded post, but you know, I think that pretty much does sum it up. Without question, the Miami administration has a commitment to the football program. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I don't think you can measure what they're paying the head coach as as a barometer. In engaging your opinion on that. Moving on, David Njoku looked real good on Saturday. Do we think that the tight ends will continue to play a major role in the offense? And is it time to start Njoku over Dobard? I don't think there's any question the tight ends are going to continue to play a major role in the offense. And I don't think it really matters who starts. I think who starts is dependent on what play call James Coley is making. Uh, but they're all playing, they're all productive and doing well. Is there any chance that Blake James, if he decides to keep Al Golden, would force Al to drop Mark D'Onofrio? No chance. Blake James's philosophy is I hire my head coach, my head coach hires his staff, and I evaluate the overall product at the end of the season. And finally, over under on points that Miami must score to win. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I think the first like 35 or 40 will win this game on Saturday. I, I just I don't see 
Miami being able to stop that Clemson offense. Uh, but I do think that the way the passing game is humming right now, that Miami will be able at times to move the football. Uh, will they be able to score enough points to win? Uh, I'm not sure that you could predict that right now with, with any certainty. Uh, the chips are stacked against them in this game. Clemson's got it all going right now, as I stated at the beginning of the show. And uh, it's going to be a very, 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 very tough test. Very good for Miami that it's at home. And that's what really gives them a chance at an upset. All right, so so much to talk about tonight on the show. Again, the number six four six five nine five two zero four eight. It's six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Again, if you want to come on the show, hit that number one on your keypad. It'll let us know that you would like to speak. And let's begin tonight now in the four zero four, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing, man? Doing good. Who's this? This is Roland, man, from New Orleans. What's up, Roland? You always manage to get in early, don't you? <laughs> don't <laughs> I do, man. I'm going to be in California uh, this week for, like, a meeting. I'm trying to see if the game is going to come on. Yeah, Frisco. it's full, full national. You'll be able to watch it at 9 a.m. <laughs> 9 a.m. Okay, so um, I watched the Virginia Tech game, and uh, another disappointment, Gary. Just... Uh, Lack of discipline, um, honestly. Um, you had guys, you're talking about Malcolm Lewis. Um, that's a guy that should should be playing, like, I, I think he should be playing. I think guys like Lawrence Cage should be red-shirted. Barrio should have been red-shirted. A lot of well, that I'll, I'll, agree with, I'll agree on that one. I mean, I don't understand yeah. why, if you've got Malcolm Lewis sitting there doing nothing, why, why you had to play Lawrence Cage this year. That I don't understand. That makes no sense. And then uh, the kid Kirby, you know, I hate that he had, uh, you know, the ACL injury or whatnot. But, um, I mean, you see it on the field with Jawan Young. Um, that kid is so much more explosive and getting to the ball. Um, I, I don't understand that deal. I mean, is it you would think you want to put the best player on the field? Is it was it was from your perspective on that situation? Is it is it a senior versus being a sophomore or what? Yeah, I mean they they made Kirby the 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 team captain. So you can't you can you're not going to you know that tells you all you need to know right there. So they they weren't going to take him and put him on the side yeah. and let Jawan Young play. What you know what I felt they sh- they maybe should have done is let Jawan Young play with Kirby and Grace. But you know I'd rather, I would have much rather seen Jawan Young out there than Tyreek McCord. I think that experiment has been a colossal failure. Yeah, but I think that McCoy, I just I don't know if he's been developed. I mean, just frankly. He can't, he can't play linebacker. He's not athletic enough to I be just, a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. He's a rush. Yeah, he's, right. a, he's a third down rush end. That's what he is. You're right. And uh, Chad Thomas looked good, finally. You know, he had, he had a hitter. He you had, read my column. Uh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> must put my column in his locker because I – I mean, I admit it. I I came down pretty hard on him in my column after the FSU game. I I thought the effort I saw out there, I mean, to to be totally blunt, was disgraceful. I mean, you know, this is a kid with so much so much talent. I mean, he came yeah, to Miami yeah. supposedly to be great, and um, I didn't like the effort in the Florida that I was seeing in the Florida State game at all. And I was pretty vocal about it in my column. I, it couldn't have been more opposite in the Virginia Tech game. I mean, I don't know what why. You know, I joke around about him reading my column, but I mean, 
whatever it was, whoever got through to him, I mean, he was a whole different kid. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You you made a point. Um, you always make a point about uh, recruiting and getting to put the best players in and, uh, you know, getting guys that's going to come in and uh, impact the program. And um, I guess when you look at, I know it's early on, but you look at recruiting, and you can't you can't really put anything on this because you don't even know if this coaching staff is going to be back next year. But um, you do, I mean you don't see one D line, when any D lineman that's just even sniffing at Miami. They were looking to go to Miami, and when you look at that, but isn't it predictable? It's predictable. Yeah, it I mean, we talked about it when when he hired Coach Melvin, who, by the way, I think Coach Melvin's doing a decent job coaching the kids on the field and that kind of thing. But that's not the kind of dynamic guy that's going to be able to go out and and go toe-to-toe with those teams in the SEC, with Florida State, and and, and even Florida now has got it going. And and win for elite defensive linemen in recruiting. And it's it's a big issue, and Al Golden should have addressed it when he had the opportunity when Jethro Franklin left. Yeah, it's like, um, it, it seems like it, it repeats itself every game. It's the same um, post-game um, uh, speech as it relates to, you know, everything falls on me. we got to make adjustments. No, we haven't um, heard that. We haven't heard a lot of that everything's on me this year. I can't remember hearing it once this year. <laughs> you don't even hear it you know, after the Florida State game. I don't remember it, hearing. It was, did he say it? I don't. I don't remember it. But I mean, you know, we used to hear so much five jargon. seconds. Yeah, there's so much jargon. But um, um, one, oh, one last thing, um, and then you put me on hold, um, Gary. What did I not call it? I keep and I told you this from years ago. Leonard Fournette is the truth. What did I tell you? He's the best. What did I tell you? It's, it's him and him and Dalvin Cook are the best. Dalvin Cook, they can flip flop, but I think Fournette is he's got that Fournette's little more he's got that edge. Man, yeah, man, he, that's what he's I'm, a freak. No doubt about it. Fournette is a monster, but again, um, yeah. So you know, I just hope that uh, this Clemson game is going to be interesting. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Dabble Sweeney as far as the head coach. I mean, the recruiter. I'm sure you can bring in kids, but of course, I mean, and how, how do you argue with winning 10 games every year and, and 15 of the last 16? I mean, come on. You know what? Putting a good staff around you. Yeah, and, but you know, but he's running a good program, too. They're recruiting well. They're true. playing well. Nobody's yeah, beating them. True. I mean, come on. I mean, got to give them that's credit. Yeah, All right, right. Well, you're right. I'm going sh- to shoot right. you on hold. Thanks, thanks as always. Appreciate yeah, thanks it, for getting us kicked off and stuff. All right, let's go out now to the uh, the seven five seven. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? You know it's Kane. Kane, really known. As, what's going you're on, no, man? You're number two this week. What happened? Man, I don't know what happened, man. I got up on that phone and well, whatever. It don't matter. I take number two. I ain't getting into a lot because you got a lot of people to deal with stuff. Um, like you said, the young boy, young, he looked good. The no, the Joker, he looking good. I mean, the running game, I don't know what's going on with it. I ain't got nothing to do. I'm not going to keep complaining because people dog me. Ah, oh, what you got about great? Call it what you want. I'll wait till a new coach come in, if a new coach come in. Because if he went out, he stays. Now, if he beat Clemson, he's still not going to stay. He still got to win out. Don't you agree? Can't lose no more games. Well, I mean, no. 
<laughs> Probably, but but at least if you beat Clemson, you know you're you're in the mix there. You got a fighting chance. If you lose well, to you Clemson, got a chance, but I mean the man been there five years. Yes, One but it's not going to look good, Kate Kane. If, if you're sitting there with two losses right now, the way the schedule yeah. shapes up for these coastal teams, uh, I think the ch- I think the uh, the winner of the division might be a one-loss team this year. Well, and I, I know, that, I know it's, even cra- it's crazy to be saying that. I mean, a lot of conferences you gotta you gotta have zero losses to win your division. But you know, teams have been teams have been winning the coastal with two and three losses the last few seasons. This year, uh, I no, think I ain't gonna be like that no, this year it's going to be a decent chance that you'll, you, you're will you going to need just one loss to win it. Well, we already know they got that game set up at 7 o'clock in Durham. I shall be there. That's going to be a tough one. Night game, might be chilly and cold. Weather shouldn't have a problem. These boys play football. You know, you hopefully come? they'll be all right. Oh, yeah, I'll be there, baby. I'm, 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 I'm going to be there. I'm calling out sick from my job to watch the Clemson game. I don't call out that much. I don't make no difference. I got time on the book. I got to see what's going to happen. I have to see this game, you know. Watson, Charles always get on me and say, you always talk about Watson. I said, man, the best two quarterbacks to me in the ACC is Watson and Kai. So let's get them head-to-head and see what happens. Well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. And hopefully everything works out. And hopefully young ball out. Hopefully we win. I ain't got nothing negative to say because I'm tired of talking that. Because it ain't changing that. It ain't changing a thing. You can scream. You can holler. You can shout. It's all going to be the same. You don't get what you want unless you earn it. You got to fight for it. I still think it's favoritism because if young keep balling out, like you said, why wasn't he on the field due to injuries? This, that, and the third. No, it doesn't matter yeah. anymore. They, they don't have. They don't, it have don't a matter. You're right because he he's out. I mean, I'm sorry for Kirby. You know, he told us he you know, don't want to see nobody get hurt. Don't want to see nobody get injured and they out for the rest of the year. And that's his career because he is a senior. Like the people ask about, is Audie Murray going to dip? <laughs> I mean, he catching all these interceptions. Of course, man. I love what he said at his press conference. He said, oh, how do you feel about that one interception? He said, man, I just turned around and the man threw it up. He was honest because Motley threw a dumb pass. I mean, on his yeah. first down, you had our 20. I'm like, come on. And he just threw it up, and you boy turned and got it. He was honest because Motley wasn't that good. Washington going to be much better, but their corner's good, our corner's good. It's going to be an excellent game. So get all the BS. I ain't got time. Leave me on hold. See you in Durham. If you don't, you're going to hear my big-ass mouth. I'm letting you know now. Take care. Yeah, <laughs> All right, uh, I look forward to seeing you, right, Durham. If you if you see me down on the field before the game, uh, make sure you give me a shout out. I'd love to come meet you. All right, um, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. If you want to come on the show, hit the number one on your keypad, and that'll give us the prompt. Let's go out now to the five one three. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is Tim from Cincinnati. How you doing, man? What's up, Tim? Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks, man. I went on a rant last week, and first of all, I'd like to apologize. I actually put the suggestion in to actually play Joe Brown on the line, and I didn't really <laughs> look good on that suggestion because he just didn't really do anything at all last week. So I'm kind of salty about that. So to all the Kane fans, I apologize for that. Well, don't apologize. Um, They're not giving up on that experiment. I mean, he'll be out oh there again. This, he'll oh, he'll Gary, be out there again don't. this week. Listen, listen, Gary, don't don't say that to me. I'm driving right now. So listen. <laughs> um, this is what I want to talk about. I, I want to. There's two things that kind of that kind of stick out to me right now with the state of this program. I just want to get your opinion on it. Um, number one, um, Al Golden had his conference after the game and. One of the things that he said was was kind of alarming, and I just want to paraphrase. I don't know what it was word for word, but 
he had mentioned um, about penalties, and he was saying that, you know, I don't really have, I don't know what else to do about that. And when he said that, I'm like, dude, the team is a reflection of you. You better do something about it. I said, because week in and week out, they're getting dumb penalties, like to at least get three or four stupid penalties a game. And I'm like, at some point, like when I'm reading what you guys put on Kane Sport today about the punishments, I'm like, well, why in the hell is it taking seven weeks for you guys to do this? You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's just baffling to me. Like, as a head coach, I've never heard a head coach in a press conference say that before. Like, well, in, in, in you fairness, you, you don't know you have a problem until you have a problem. I mean, I understand that, Gary, but, I mean, that's been going on all season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that just hasn't been like just, okay, well, wow, we really, you know, effed up at the VTech game. I mean, this is something that's been going on for all season. Actually, since this whole tenure, it's like we get these penalties at costly times of the game, and then we wonder why our third down completion percentage is so low. It's because we're getting penalties, and it's just it's just crazy to me. And I'm just like, as a coach, you have to take responsibility for that. Golden. Like, that falls on you. You see what I'm saying as a head coach? Everything, to me, I just feel like this team in certain aspects is undisciplined. And I don't know if it's the coaching. I, I, I just don't know. But I'm like, we shouldn't be making boneheaded penalties like that. It just irks my nerves. And I'm like, so I don't know what to expect in this Clemson. It's like I have this, I don't know, Gary, I just have this like this whole smoky image of this Clemson game. I really just don't know what I'm going to get. So I'm like Forrest Gump. I really don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know if I'm going to get a tough game to win, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, and and so I don't know. But anyway, moving to my second thing, and I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on this. Well, my opinion is they need to be more disciplined, obviously. I mean, I don't think, you know, they, you know, the kids. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, I'm literally here. No, I'm no, give you an example. Wait, let me give you an example real quick. We're talking to Trevor okay. Darling today, and he's tell he's sitting there telling me that the reason he's getting penalized so often is he's trying to get a jump on the snap on his guy. Now, uh-huh. it that didn't make a ton of sense because if you're an right. offensive lineman, you can't get a jump on the snap. You can't right. move. You can't move till the ball moves. Right, so, right. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's been getting a lot of them, but they, the bottom line is they have to be more disciplined. That's 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 the right. bottom line. The point is, and, and, and I just want to really get your opinion on this, because in following this team for years, one of the things under this diminished, under this uh, golden era that I'm starting to realize is, is that it seems like we've been recruiting. I know recruiting has not been up to par, but it seems like, we haven't been recruiting players that fit what he's trying to do. Like, for example, like I'm watching McDermott. I, I watched the game like several times. I'm watching Casey McDermott. I don't know if it's just a competition he played in high school or what's going on, but Gary, I don't know if you agree with me when I say this, but he doesn't look good. I mean, for a four-star at one point in time, he was considered a five-star offensive tackle or offensive lineman. He's just not – impressing me at all. I mean, and I don't know if it's just maybe he needs to be red-shirted or something like that, but it's just like some of these players that they're bringing in, I don't know if they're just overrated when they're coming out of high school or what, but they're just not – I don't know if it's coaching. I mean, Gary, what's your opinion on Because I just – well, I my, mean, I'm seeing KC with 
My I'm my opinion, and first of all, Casey McDermott's been to me has been the least, uh, you know, other than you know Nick Linder, he's been the least of the problems. But but here here's uh-huh. what I'll say. I mean, those other, some of those other guys are struggling so much. But but to answer your question, an offensive lineman coming out of high school almost uh-huh. always almost always needs to redshirt. There you know mm-hmm. there, there's such a huge difference in the quality of play at the line of scrimmage in college than your typical high school game where you've got undersized defensive linemen. Half the kids don't even belong on the defensive line, but but you just don't have enough big kids at most high schools. Um, Very rarely in high school is an offensive lineman going against another elite or high-quality player at that position. So... You know, right. you're recruiting big kids who have some athletic ability and potential, uh, but they need to be developed and they need seasoning. And very few of them are ready to play as true freshmen. And that's the problem right now is that you're blowing redshirt years on these kids that really, you know, shouldn't be on the field. And and Casey no. last year is a perfect example. And I'll put Tyree St. Louis. Uh, in that classification this year, what in the world that kid's doing not being redshirted? I have no idea. Um, right. But I mean, it's just baffling. Like, like Mike, okay, for example, I'll give you another example. That is, is it Okay, let me ask you this. Let me just stop over and ask you this. Do you think it's like when he's going into these living rooms, he's basically promising the kids they're going to play? Because most maybe of these kids. Maybe in some cases. But I mean, I'm it's, just saying because it, it's like some of these foolish. kids are clearly not ready. Yeah, like Barrios to me. Should be a registered freshman. To no me. question. You know, no, I mean, no question. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's baffling. Like I'm watching Mike Smith. You put Mike Smith in a game. God bless that kid. He looked totally like, like he just Hold didn't belong. Yeah, I mean, he just looked totally overmatched. I mean, Marquise Gayot should not. He should be a registered freshman. I mean, that half that 2014 class should have been registered. And I'm like, you're just blowing these red shirts, and and that's why I was asking: is it is it just not they're not developing, or they're just not ready? Are you promising these kids that you know you're getting guaranteed playing time? Because when you put them on the field, it's clearly showing that these kids just don't know what they're doing. Well, I think you know in some I mean? cases they just... they've been promised playing time, and I think for the most part, you know, you have a coaching staff right now that red shirting is the last thing that they could care less about. You know, they're, they, they're under pressure to win now. And, and if they think a kid can help them at all, they're not worrying about red shirting them. And it's no way to build a program, but at the same time, it's kind of the program's fault because, you know, it's what it is. It's not the program. What it is, is it, it's a vicious circle is what it is. Um, it's no way to run a program, but the pressure that's on the coaches to win kind of like precludes redshirting in a lot of cases and or, or you know supersedes it I guess would be a better word and uh, so what ends up happening is you end up going in a in a circle and you never you never get over the hump like this right and and just one more thing Gary and just put me on hold um, I was watching Tracy Howard out there last game and Gary do you kind of just feel and just put me on hold and I just want to hear your answer just that he I don't know if there's just one player I've been disappointed in. Maybe he's just a free safety playing corner. But it just seems to me like since his sophomore year, he's just regressed to the point to where it's just like I don't even sometimes know he's out on the field, honestly. And I just want to get your opinion on that and just keep me on hold and good show, man. 
All right, no problem. I, I don't think he's regressed. I, I just think he's athletically challenged. You know, he's just not that fast. Uh, you know, I think he has decent cover skills, but not great. And teams are targeting him because of the three cornerbacks. He's number three. So he's getting a lot more opportunities to fail, so to speak. And that's probably why it looks that way. But um, Tracy's a good player. He's not a great player. Probably was overrated coming out of high school. I don't think he should have been a five-star. You know, probably should have been maybe a, you know, a three-star player coming out of high school. And um, I think had that label not been put on him, that your opinion of him would be more favorable. I think when a kid comes in as a five-star, you're expecting a superstar. You're expecting a kid that's going to go be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, and you're not getting that with Tracy Howard, and I think that's why so many people are disappointed. Um, but, you know, Tracy is he is what he is. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. Anyway, um, thank you so much for, for being on the show, and um, and give us a call next week. All right, 646-595-2048. That's the number. If you want to come on the show, hit the number one on your keypad. And let's go out to the 850. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How's it going, Gary? It's going. How are you doing tonight? Who's this? Uh, it's Omar. What's up, Omar? Talk to us. Not too much, not too much, man. Your show going good, man. I'm going to keep it quick. Uh Everything. Uh, I'm gonna get into it. Um, Tucker, Tucker, you think that this next game he's gonna be inserted into the game more? He gonna get more touches? You think on the short? short I, you know, I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting that they went to that kind of jumbo back in that in the in the first short yardage situation that they had in the Virginia Tech game, and it worked. You know, they they gave Walter Tucker yeah. the ball. He he gained the yardage. I don't know. Had it been Joe Yearby, that they wouldn't have picked up the yardage, but you know that's fine. You know they had yeah. the bigger back. He went in and it worked. Yeah. But the thing I thought was interesting was when the same situation came up later in the game, they didn't mm-hmm. put Walter Tucker in. And uh, you know why or what? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, that it's like you test it out. You gotta you gotta do it more than once. To see well, it, it works. works. Yeah, it worked that time. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got to think the fact that it worked will mean that you'll see it again. Yeah, I hope I see it more in this upcoming game, just to see if it works. If it, you try three times and it just worked once, I understand if you don't go back to it. But at least test it out because we need something. There's something going on with that. I, with, I know the lineman is a big issue, you know, with that and the inconsistency of 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 them, but you know, I, one thing I do understand is we got a young line. Like they're young. The only we got one junior, and he's not even you know a top prospect that's coming out in the um in the draft. I'm pretty sure he'll be back next year. But and we dismissed the other junior that was going to be a very. I think he was going to be our top um starter coming back. So it's like you know, and then you know against against lesser teams, we didn't play up to. It's like when they made mistake, it was just like okay, he made a mistake. You know, we're gonna look past it. They rusty. It's just the beginning. But if you don't drill into them like the point of emphasis, then now when you go against Florida State and Clemson, 
It's like now they get, it got a, it clicks now. Like oh, okay, I understand now. We can't be making all these penalties, but they've been doing this ever since they been when they was playing against the the lesser competition. You know, the linemen were, and you know, and it wasn't. It's still. It's like golden personality is not like. It's not snappy enough. It's not argumentative. It's like there's no confrontation with what's going on with a penalty. Uh, it's no discipline. It's no, you know, everything that you see in a great coach, you're not seeing in him when it comes to discipline. And that's the, that's the I think, uh, problem right there in itself. All right, fair but enough. You got anything else, for, anything else for us this week? Uh, uh, Artie Burns, man, I think he'll bless him, man. He'll bless him to have right now, man. He's been doing a great job. I think it. I the only way I think he stay this year. I mean, and I mean, don't come back next year if Golden leaves. If Golden leaves, I don't think he can come back. Like being honest, that boy is having a great year. Yeah, he he really is, and and what you're seeing is you're seeing him mature. He's been working really, really hard, you know, throughout the off season, and is really on his way to becoming uh, an elite cornerback. And and I hope he doesn't leave because I think he's got a lot more room for growth. And I think if he stays, that he might emerge yeah. a year from now um, as you know, maybe even a first round pick, you know, with, with his speed and athletic ability. So. Um, I personally hope yeah. that Artie Burns comes back for his senior year, but we, I agree with you to, that, it, yeah. that it's very we much it's very him. much in question. Yep, we need him, but yeah, and I think Clemson, man, honestly, I, they don't seem that option is working. I think they're gonna you're gonna see a lot of that going on. A well, it makes sense. I would do it if I were them. I, I I hope I hope these boys pay attention, you know, and just take your man. You know that is. It's simple, man. It's something like you learned in high school. Like you faced at least one option team in high school that just ran the option somewhat. So you knew you had to have the pitch, man, the quarterback. This has been going on too long to not know that, man. It's a bust. Make simple errors like that. Like they keep doing that, and that that's going to kill them if they don't just key on their man. But that's all I got for this week, man. Just put me on hold. Um, show going you, good. You got it, man. Thank I'll you for being. You yep. Thanks for being part of it. All right, guys. I'm going to take a moment here to talk about an entity that's been one of our sponsors for the entire season, FanDuel.com, the leader in weekly fantasy football. There's been a lot of yelling and screaming going on the last day or so here in the Furman household. And that's because my son won 200 bucks this week at FanDuel.com, which means I won 200 bucks too because it's $200 less of bills i got to pay for him now that he's got that extra cash to walk around with. How's your fantasy team doing? Did a Kansas City running back or Dallas wide receiver or Green Bay running back or Denver running back or Indianapolis quarterback ruin your season? Well, get a new team today over at FanDuel.com. At FanDuel.com, it really can pay to be a fan. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football. The money is real, and they'll be paying out over $2 billion this year. Building a team is easy. You just pick your players, you stay under the salary cap, and you sit back on Sunday and Monday 
and you watch your team win, and then the money gets deposited right into your account. And I can vouch for that because I saw it go into my son's account. I believe it was, yeah, it was yesterday, last night. Anyway, entry fees start at just $1. Anybody can play. And if you think you know football, you can go prove it at FanDuel.com. Last week, Tyson from Orlando won $6,000 off a $2 entry fee in his first week on FanDuel. That could be you. Join him and over 1 million other users who have already won money this season. And did I say that my son is one of them? It's not too late to join. Come play every week this season over at FanDuel.com, and you even could be part of the Kane Sport Weekly League at FanDuel.com forward slash Kane. You just go to FanDuel.com, you click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, you use the Kane Sport Live code, Kane, C-A-N-E, and you sign up, and here's what FanDuel will do for you. For every dollar that you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. It's a bonus of two, up to $200, which is only good if you go on to FanDuel.com and you register using the Kane Sport Live code name, Kane. Don't forget to use the code name, Kane. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Go sign up today and get ready to get your butt kicked by my son. All right, let's get back to the show. We got another call from the 850 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? All right, how you doing, Gary? Doing good, doing good. Oh, man, I I just got to say in your opening um speech you were doing there, man, you you crushed my heart to to hear that the administration doesn't want to fire Al Gold. And I understand from certain aspects that you want your coach to do good, but after five years of seeing everything that we have seen, it is past that point. Whether he but wins when you, Clemson, but just to stop you for a minute, wouldn't you knock them if the sure. opposite were true? I mean, what administration is sitting there saying, oh, geez, I want my coach to suck this year, or I want my team to only win six games so I could fire him? If you want to fire him, just what? fire him. Well, they should have did it last year. They had every right and every reason to fire him last year, but Donna Shalala was on her way out, and they didn't want to do it. And now after losing to Cincinnati, having the 112th-ranked uh, rushing offense, still predominantly one of the worst defenses in the nation. I mean, what more do you need to see out of this staff? Everything, Every caller that has called in and complained about something is spot on. I mean, from recruiting to offensive line to rotation – to non-red shirting, we talked. A uh, caller before was just talking about red shirting and how, uh, you know, they they don't do it. And, and then you were saying that they don't do it because they're coaching for their lives. No, they haven't done it since year one. They haven't red shirted anybody. I mean, maybe what, like five percent out of every recruiting class gets red shirted. Yeah. And to me, well, it's I mean, been a little more than that, but new, but not enough. Yeah, this is a new news. So, I mean, at this point, you I'm not hoping for failure and losses, but I don't care if he does win out. Like I said a couple of weeks ago when I was on the show, he has to go <laughs> one way or another. Well, um, if he wins out, he doesn't th- have to go. If he wins out, he deserves to stay. Let's be honest. If he wins out, hopefully somebody comes and offers him a job that well, he that could happen. <laughs> yeah, that obviously could, could happen also. But if it didn't happen and he wins out, he deserves to stay. 
Sure, sure, sure. We'll give them another year and, you know, see what happens. Absolutely. I mean, they got Kai here and, you know, the Jack Allison guy, I mean, he looks like he'll be staying. And that's obviously the most important part of any team is a quarterback. And we can develop quarterbacks. If if the rest of this program was right, you could win a national title with Brad Kaya. I mean, he's becoming a great quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one thing you were saying earlier about how, um, like, Malcolm Lewis can't see the field because you don't want to take touches away from anybody. Well, in the, the off season before the season even started, we were discussing how we were going to see four wide receiver sets and, and double tight end packages and why? all this ingenuity that hasn't even seen the field at any point this year. I mean, why not put four people out there? I wouldn't call it ingenuity, but you are seeing you are seeing Herndon and Njoku on the field together. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I have seen that a few times. I have seen the two tight ends. But not in your – your your typical. I was hoping to see okay. a little bit more of but, your uh, pro style set. Yeah, but I mean, it's but it's what they're doing is working. Why does it have to be typical? Yeah. I mean, I, I think James Coley's doing a nice job. If he had an offensive line, I think they'd be just absolutely lighting it up. Well, is this hands down the worst offensive line the Miami's ever had? The worst in a while. I mean, decades at least. I'd, I mean, well, I'd is... have to go back. You know, I I was and I was trying to remember this. It's just I. I process so much information every day. I can't always remember everything. But um, late in Randy Shannon's tenure, the uh, the offensive line was about to be depleted, and and they went out and rebuilt it. You know, with guys like Linder and Feliciano and Flowers and and um, well, Flower, I guess Flowers wasn't there yet, but uh, McDermott w- would obviously be included in that group. And um, but anyway, so they went out. They made a concerted effort to rebuild the offensive line and uh you know so it was pretty good for three four years there and now it's in massive rebuild mode again and they they haven't done as as good a job of recruiting but i I was trying to remember what the offensive line was uh in the latter stages before they did that rebuild and i just couldn't remember everybody um you know it all runs together for me unfortunately you know my brain just doesn't work doesn't work really well in that regard um other people might say you've been doing this for 20 30 years well it's just all it's just the, the names and the years just tend to run together a little bit on me i you know i don't know but um, anyway, yeah, there's my so point, many Phillips and Buchanan's and uh, Johnsons that came through here in the last 20 years. It's hard yeah, it, you know, just it just the, the names and, and years just tend to run the, run together. But the point I'm making is I can't I don't remember who was on the offensive line before that rebuild took place. Uh, but these guys are really just not very good right now, and and it's really holding back the whole football team, in my opinion. Is it? Do you think it's development or just gelling together? They haven't been able to come together as a unit. It's not recruiting well enough. It's guys not. Well, it seems like that's the one area that we've always done good. I mean, Tyree St. Louis, Bar Milo, uh, McDermott, uh, Trevor Darling, Flowers. Yeah, those are all top-rated recruits. I mean, we've always done well. I mean, Trevor Darling's hanging in there. He's got to stop committing penalties. But other than that, oh, he's, he's been hanging, awful. He's hanging in there. You know, McDermott, to me, seems to be getting be- a little better. You know, I mean, he, he hasn't been a huge liability. Uh, Nick Linder, to me, has been a huge surprise. I mean, I, I thought he was going to be um, way undersized. He was and, the lowest he, ranked out of all of them. The yeah, though, but but he's to me, he's been, he's been a big surprise. Alex Gall has been a total disaster. Uh, Joe Brown is very raw. Sonny Adagwu is very raw. And, and, and there is really nobody else. So... 
you know, I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's tough, and uh, I don't know that it's going to be a ton better next year. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, well, yeah, probably not. Um, just a couple more points, because I know you got a, a bunch of people trying to get on. You said in the opening also, this is just a quick point, but uh, if one thing I want people to remember, if you move Carter down to linebacker in an experiment like that, that just means Dallas Crawford is going to see a lot more time at safety. And for me, that's one why, of the biggest why, things why? you can't allow why happen. Why does it have to be the case? Why can't you play Bush and Jenkins yep. at safety? And, and, and well, let Carter as far as I've for... seen, they refuse to play Jenkins. I, like, I barely see him play, I mean, at all anymore. Too much rotation. How many how many plays did he get against Virginia Tech? I didn't see him on the field. I think but once or twice. I mean, the Dion Bush the last couple of weeks is, is has just been a guy. I mean, he. I don't know that he's. I'd have to go back and 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 really look at that specifically. But I don't remember Dion Bush doing anything in that game the other day of any noteworthy nature. No, it seems after the uh, targeting thing, like he uh, reeled it in a little bit. I don't know, but his his name didn't come up. I mean, I sat there and went through every play of that game for my film review in stop action, and his name didn't come through my brain once. <laughs> so, well, I, I'll I, tell you what. I, you know, no matter how bad Bush might be doing, Jenkins might be doing, Carter might be doing, the one person we don't need on the field is Dallas Crawford, unless it's in special teams. I'll give you that. He's a great special teams guy. But the what I don't even want to get into that point about him moving from running back. Because do you think, yeah, you know, forget it. I want to know. Do you think if we would have left him at running back, that he could have been one of the the things that fixes the short yardage downs? Because you remember his last year at running back, he had like twelve touchdowns. Every time we got in the red zone, we handed him the ball. He ran it right in. We yeah, had do a better you think like his better, better offensive line. I, I don't think absolutely, the running back absolutely. Are the, are the he's problem. more physical than Year B or Walton. Yeah, but the, I don't think that they're the problem. I, I think the problem is there's no movement. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, can't argue that. Um, the the uh, the last thing I wanted to say is, and I also sorry about this, this is from the very first couple points that you made. Um, I, I got to say that last minute, if you got Brad Kaya. No matter how bad our offensive line is, if you're coaching for your 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 career, you know maybe the last job you might ever get, <laughs> you know, then you need to go for it with 56 seconds left. With with Sean Scott just pulling down every single ball that comes near him, like you were saying with Najoku out there and Hurden catching all those balls, you have to go for it. You can't take knees or you know go. That, that was just ridiculous. The only reason I think it, it was a real consideration was the fact that Virginia Tech was getting the ball to start the second half. So I think you had I think you had to think about it. But you also, you know, you're at home. You know, you're kind of reeling a little bit. The other teams come back. They, they've tied the game 13-13. The worst thing that could happen would be for you to turn the ball over there, uh, you know, get stripped on a sack, throw an interception, and have them get some cheap points late in the half. And then end up getting the ball again to start the second half. That's that's the last thing you want to see happen. So, you know, to me, it's a that's a fifty-fifty call, and I understand why people are criticizing it. But I personally didn't have a great problem with it. And, and, For a and kid you're not that's only thrown and one interception, and I don't but, think fumbled very much this year. No, I would have put saying, it in his hands. The, the fact that you did have a problem with it. Does is no more right or wrong than me not having a problem with it. I think it was a fifty-fifty call. You can go either way, and you can argue both sides. And uh, you know, so 
you know, I, I, I think yeah. you, you know your your opinion's very, very noted. For somebody that needs to win over the fan base again, if he is going to have any chance of staying here, you know, aggression is one thing that's going to help. <laughs> you know, and well, they've been pretty like aggressive. That, he could have won a lot of fans. They, they've been pretty aggressive offensively. I mean, they're throwing the ball down the field. Uh, they're taking shots. They're, you know, they're not holding anything back offensively. I don't think anybody can complain about that. No, but I'm complaining about that one situation. That just, yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's that's not me. And I agree with your point that it could be taken either way. Like your point is completely valid too. I just, yeah. I feel like if, that's if, a situation if, that we needed to go for it. I mean, look at it this way: Virginia Tech got burned being aggressive in that situation because right. they had all yep. those guys. They had eight guys up at the line of scrimmage on third and twenty. Okay, and I know their defensive tackle jumped off sides, but what were they doing with eight guys in the box on third and 20? I mean, what does, I mean, you want to have safeties back and make sure you don't give up anything deep. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, I can't believe Bud Foster, the guru of defensive coordinators, the guy that makes a million dollars a year to be a coordinator uh, made that call. I mean, he had eight guys <laughs> in the box. So when that guy jumped off sides and they went to the, the automatic go routes, those were one-on-one yeah, situations. On. Was, yeah, yeah, we can I beat mean, just about anybody, especially with their fuller guy out of the yeah, lineup. So, uh, so what I'm saying is but, they, were being, they, were, they thought they were being aggressive by putting eight in the box because they were going to stuff what they anticipated was going to be a running play, and they were going to force a punt from deep in Miami territory. And instead, they ended up giving up a touchdown before the half, and that was the difference in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gary, for having me on. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, let's go out now to the um, the 305. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing good. Who's this? This is Sino 305. Hey, what's up, man? Welcome back. Thank you, sir. Um, so let me ask you a question. If Golden does not win the Coastal, any chance that Blake James keeps him if he does not win the Coastal? Here's what I'm going to – here's, here's, here's where the opinion that I'm evolving into. I think okay. that this thing is such a hot button and has become so widespread and and – has just caught such wildfire. I'm not convinced this is going to be Blake James's decision anymore. I'm really not. I, I mean, I, I, would said, I would have said six months ago that this is Blake James's show, and it's just, uh, this is going to this is going to have all the people at the higher levels of the university, you know, wanting to you know have their their hands in this thing, in, in, in you know, in the cookie jar, so to speak. I, you know, you have some of the most high-profile executives in this community that are on the board of trustees, and they're getting assaulted. I mean, this is all everybody all over town is talking about. And, you know, I just, I don't I, I, I actually, I, I actually know a couple of pe- people in the board of trustees, and <clears throat> they don't seem to, I mean, I've never actually asked them specifically about the coach. I've spoken to them about the team, but they don't seem to really be just from my, you know, just from my experience, to be involved in that kind of stuff in terms they're of decision making with the coaches, they're, and stuff they're, like they're that. not involved. But the upper levels of the board 
have the option of getting involved if if they so choose. And uh, okay. you know, I think this is obviously still developing. I don't think anything is definitive at this point. The season is still very much in in its meat, and I think a lot is going to be determined over what happens over the next two weeks. But you know, is it fair to say? Is it fair to say that if Golden is retained and he doesn't – after let's say Golden does not win the Coastal Division and he's retained by the by the school, at that point I would say that's why the fans are basically at the point of thinking that the well, school man, no. is not really – if, you know? if that happens, I mean, people are going to be going apeshit. I mean, it's like you saw what happened last year. It's You know, if if that were to happen like that, I mean, shut, you might have to shut down the program. I mean, people are going to go insane. Yeah, so, exactly. But let's not. But we're kind of on the same. We're on here's the same what I would say: Don't he anticipate has to win the that. I know, but listen to me. Don't. Right now, I wouldn't anticipate anything. Okay, that's you know, that's my honest opinion. Everything's too. It's all in, of one big unknown right now, and I don't think you should you know be trying to predict what's going to happen right now at twelve o'clock on Saturday afternoon. The Miami Hurricanes are playing the Clemson Tigers, and it's a massive ball game uh, for both teams. Uh, obviously, it's a huge game for Al Golden in Miami, and I think you, you got to see what happens Saturday and then react from there. I, I wouldn't try nobody, to jump. Nobody that. wants to watch – all the Miami fans, nobody wants to watch – let's say Miami loses to Clemson. Nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to watch a team be where watching. the goal is – Everyone will be coach. watching Anybody that calls themselves a Hurricane fan in, in some way, shape, or form, they may we'll they, they not be in the stadium, they'll be watching. We'll be watching and hoping something happens. But if Clemson, if, if Miami loses to Clemson, I mean, it's over. It's really over. You're, I mean, because there's nothing Miami, Golden right? can do. I'm from Miami, yeah, born and raised. Yeah. Are you going to the game? No, I was going to go to the game, but I don't think I'm going to go because I don't even feel like it's worth it. I don't want to go there. You know, in the in the middle of the heat, or it's probably not going to be too hot now. But I don't want to go there and watch Miami pull a golden. I don't want to see Miami getting pushed around, lose the game, uninspired effort, no energy, no power. You know, it's not the Miami team I grew up watching. Are you a season ticket holder? I mean, I it's from from year to year, if I want to, I'll buy some season tickets with some of my you know family and friends. You know, I have, you, a, I have a a cousin who has a box. Sorry? This year you didn't buy tickets. No, I didn't buy season tickets because of Golden. That's that's. Have the you reason. been watching the games on TV? I've been watching them all on TV. Yeah. Okay, so are you, you're not going to put your TV on at twelve o'clock Saturday? Of course you no, are. No, I'm I'm going to watch the game, but I'm not like everybody. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing: if they lose the game, I'm not going to go out of my way on a weekly basis to watch the games anymore. You know, at least until I know the school is serious, they go ahead and get the right coaching staff and they make the effort to build the team like they used to be. You feel me? Uh huh. Well, here's what I would say. Like I said, you have to be a fanatic this is, this to watch is a week by week issue. You can't. I mean, everyone's trying to project what's going to happen a month or two down the road, and I just don't think you can do it. But to answer your question, I'm not convinced anymore that it's just going to be a Blake James decision. I, I think that there's going to be others that are going to want their hands in the situation. So we'll see what happens. All right, you All got right, anything thanks, else? Gary. All right, man. Um, hey, thank you. Thanks for being part of the All show. Right, thank you. Hey, and, and consider going Saturday. They need you out there. Seriously. <laughs> Did All you right, see what thanks. that stadium looked like from the blimp the other day? That was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I, mean, I guarantee some, you. Somebody in the 305 is going to start you, having some fun. 
if you put Butch Davis back on the field, okay, and he gets his he gets a good crew together, I guarantee you that that stadium will not look that uh, empty for at least for the good games. You know, the Virginia Tech game it's going to be packed, and all the games. You know, Miami Miami loves their teams, and Miami fans are good fans when they have a reason. You know, but there's no effort. I mean, like this coaching staff is is an embarrassment. Everybody I know that that's a UM fan is embarrassed to to you know to be a UM fan right now. And, you know, that can't happen. It, it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to know that you don't have the right coaches out there and the the school doesn't do anything about it. That's the embarrassing part. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. But, I, I'd yeah. rather play like Virginia Tech with all of our players coming, you know, being aggressive and all out and lose the game. I'd rather do that. And at least, I'll, you know, I'll show up to the games because I know it's going to be exciting. But this, this is like, this is a joke. You didn't find the Virginia Tech game exciting at all? Moments. I found moments exciting, but overall, it's the same. Again, like you said, same plus same equals same. You know, you can't. It is what it is. It's not going to change with this guy. I mean, it, they they. See, I get, thought it was better you know, last week. I uh, you know I thought I thought the way that Muhammad and Chad Thomas were playing changed the defense a little bit. They looked great and, against FSU last year too. You know. Yeah, but but you know they only gave up I think a hundred and I think it was a hundred and eighty yards in the first half, which is a lot better than three hundred. Gary, you know, I, I know you can't answer this, but but with Golden, and you know this. I mean, I, I won't even ask it as a question because I know you can't even answer this, or, or maybe you won't. But Golden is never going to bring Miami to championships. And Miami and us fans, we're used to Miami competing. The goal is championships, and that's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, I mean, with I, I would agree. It's not looking very good. So let's keep it moving, and let, you know it's been five years. And and, and, and if guy. they lose in and if they lose in four days, I would think it's I would totally shut the door on it. And that's all I've been saying. Yeah, at some point, you got to beat I'm somebody. It's you, you got to beat somebody that can walk straight. At some point, you know, I mean, exactly. you know, exactly. I, I you know, at some at some point over a five year period, you have to win a real football game. So I uh, I think this is huge on Saturday for Al Golden. It is. All right, hey, man, thank you. Hey, try to get out there, though, seriously. I mean, I, right. I'm humiliated looking at that TV picture with nobody in the stands. We got to we got to get people know, to at least, you know, at least go out there for this game. It's it's a full <laughs> national game. You know, you guys want everybody waking up all over the country on on Saturday morning and turning on their TV to watch college football and just seeing a bunch of empty blue seats at the Miami game and saying, "What the hell is this?" But I mean, it's come bigger on. than that. It's, it's bigger than the the people watching our, our fans. It's we don't have a product on the field, and we don't even have effort from the the, the school to put know, good coaches on the field. But that's not how the country's looking at it. They're looking at what's wrong this, with Miami. I, so. I really think that these empty stands are a result of what they're doing. I mean, this is just what's happening. You know. All right, man. Well, at least think about it. All right. All <laughs> hey, right, hey thank you. Th- thanks for thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 706. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is Sebastian, man. What's going on? What is going on, Sebastian? Hey, Gary, I just wanted to kind of piggyback what I talked about last week. You know, I talked about how, you know, the coaches – well, first of all, let's give them credit for a good win against Virginia Tech. I mean – it, we can't take it as if it was just a gimme game. They showed up and they played. So my hat's off to them. My hat's off to Juwan Young, who really is uh, 
from my state, Georgia, who really showed up on on Saturday. You know, that's encouraging for next year, you know. We get some of these linebackers back. We get Grace back. We get Owens back, Young. We got a nucleus we can build around, all right? But let me go back to what I talked about last, last week when I talked about poor talent evaluation. First of all, I thought the offensive line was in trouble when Gap Boss got kicked off the team because we could at least have had a starting left tackle with a little bit more experience, you know. Yeah, I so that really hurt. The other thing I wanted to talk about is what's up with some of these JC transfers we got coming in that's not producing? You know, Hurtaloo, I'm calling Bad about Hurtaloo is producing. Hurtaloo is producing to the no, best that he can. Gary, Gary, well, to the best that he Gary, can. When, is, when, when has he made a tackle in the backfield? No, he doesn't, but he's producing, he's producing to the best that he can. The one that's, like, ridiculous that. is Michael Weiss. Why that kid was ever signed, I have no idea. Weiss, Hurtaloo, uh, Weiss, Hurtaloo, Kamala, those guys not making tackle in the backfield. These 300-pounders, man. You don't get a J.C. kid that's not going to be an impact player, you know? I agree. I so, agree. you know, we – we, we we gotta call the coaches out on that as far as impact. Remember I talked about your hair Jones, most people don't even know he's on the team. You know, we're talking about the all offensive line struggling. You brought in a JC transfer, he ain't even on the field. He red shirt. We got other players we need to red shirt, you know? So those are the things I wanted to say. But I'm calling out Hurdaloo, Kamala. If they're not making tackles in the backfield against Clemson, they failed. So when we watch them play this Saturday, I don't wanna hear no excuses. I want to see Hurtaloo at least four or five tackles. There's no reason in the world you go two, three games and don't have three tackles, you know. So I want to leave it at that. I want to give big ups to AQM, Chad, Norton, and Jenkins. Those guys on the defensive line, they have been, they've made an impact. They've been producing. So, you know, hopefully we'll kind of keep that going and we'll go from there. The other thing I want to talk about is what I talked about last week. Why Tracy Howell will never get in a defensive backstand, you know, this game right here, he wasn't challenged a lot with Virginia Tech, but he's going to face that against uh, against Clemson. And you watch him during the game. I mean, he doesn't get in a defensive back position before the play. It's like he landed Gallagher, like he's just walking around. And I'm a big Tracy Howard fan. But you watch that this week. I said it. This is two weeks in a row. See if he gets in a defensive back stance because it's a reflection of coaching and poor technique if he does not. And the last thing I want to talk about is the struggles on the offensive line. When I look at our offensive linemen, man, they don't seem like they got no muscles on them. They don't seem like they got no muscles on them. I look at Gall. I look at Brown. I was looking at uh, McDermott. They don't look like they got no muscles on them. I don't know what they were doing all summer, weight training program or whatever. You know, you look at Alabama, LSU, Florida had offensive line struggles last year, you know. That's when you see whether or not, you know, they've been putting in work. You know, we ought to be able to get a third and one and not have to pass. You know, we ought to be able to do that. And if we want our season to go the way it's going to need to go, those guys definitely going to need to have to step up the rest of the way. You know, my last point is some of the scholarships that we've been offering has just been a waste. Why do we offer Grimsley a scholarship? I don't know. Did you, look, did you know he's on the team? No, yeah, I know so who you talked about. I, I don't, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, why? I mean, could we have not found another better quality offensive lineman somewhere or held that scholarship for another year? I mean, we yeah, put people know. on the I mean, team that, that, that had like, no. 
There's a few of them like that. There's there's a defensive lineman by the name of Ryan Fines. I I can't for the life of me understand why he was part of the recruiting class. I mean I the, I mean I know that, I, I, I know you're trying to build a pipeline at IMG Academy and I get all that, but I mean this kid to me to my eye has zero chance of ever playing for the Miami Hurricanes. What what's the wide receiver from uh I think it's the Leesburg Floyd, seventeen. He hasn't been on the field. He's been in the program four years. Yeah, Damari Jones. Yeah. Yeah, Damari Jones. He's been in the program four years. Yeah, you know, that, so, that that that's another one. I you know, I mean I don't uh You know, know what I'm saying, Gary, I ain't trying to beat a dead horse, but I'm just saying you can't have those types of butts. You can't get another players off the team. But these guys that you holding on to, they gotta be winners for us. So I'm gonna make my prediction, okay, against Clemson. I think we can beat them. I think if Al Golden's going to save his job, it starts all with playing Clemson. I think it's, it's it's the right game. It's the right type of atmosphere. I don't see the talent gap that huge that we can't come out with a W. I think we're going to have to play smart. I think we're going to have to run the ball for at least 80 to 100 yards just to be disciplined and just to be balanced. We're going to need a couple of plays. We're going to need to have a couple of plays that's going to break our way and we got to win the turnover battle. If I do that, I think we can come out with a W. But, you know, my hat's off to Coley, you know, the offensive coordinator. I think he's been really, really, you've seen some improvement on the offensive side. And i got to say, we've also seen some improvement on the defensive side of the ball, too. And I think it starts with letting AQM, Chad, uh, Norton, and Jenkins play on the field. The other dudes, we don't need to be doing all this subbing or whatever. These guys ain't gassed. They're not bent over. Sucking wind, sucking I, I air or whatnot. Why any hurricane football player come off the field gas? Because they're tired. You know, I don't, so understand, we, I don't we, understand all the rotation. I have not seen need, one kid come close to walking off that field totally exhausted. Yeah. I mean, we beat, when Ken Dorsey didn't beat Florida State, he had to get out of it. He barely could get off the field, you know. Sometimes that's what a victory is going to cost you. It's going to cost you every single thing. So these coaches, they don't need to screw it up. They don't need to be throwing all these players in there and all that other stuff. Chad Thompson, Chad Thomas, this is the second year in the program. He's been through the conditioning, and he needs to be on the field. Here's what I will say that I have noticed, and I didn't count. I'd have to go back and look. I do think in the last two weeks they've tightened the rotation a little bit. Instead of maybe playing 23, 24, 25 guys on defense, I think they've cut it down to like about 18 or 19. Okay, I think that's big. I think that's big. But Gary, I appreciate it. when you're at the game. Watch Tracy Howard for me. Yeah, know. I watched. Hey, I know. What, I know what you're talking about. I, you know, I'm not a, a defensive back expert, but what I would say to that is: is there really just one absolute, unquestioned stance that you have to be in if you're a cornerback when a play starts? Like, you know, I, I I've never, never known that to be the case. I, I don't think that there is just absolutely one proper way that a cornerback has to line up. But I might well, be wrong. It, it, and if some, it, it really kind of and, and if somebody is a defensive but, back expert out there, you know, please feel free to come on the show and weigh in on that subject. But, you know, I mean, I've never watched Tracy Howard and had a problem with how he was lining up before a play. But maybe I, you know, maybe take a Take a look at it. My last point I wanted to make to you, and I know I've been saying it for the longest time, Jerry, I mean, uh, Gary, when you get ready, if Al Gordon don't survive, I know you're going to do the autopsy of why his uh, thing fell apart, his coaching thing fell apart, and I've given you a lot of things to write about. 
But those are things I want you to pay a look at. When you get a JC transfer coming to your program, he's got to be impact player. Oh, the biggest failure has not been coaching. The biggest failure has been recruiting. You know, you you can't you can't blow stuff like that. You can't oh, have it, an offensive tackle. You just look an offensive at the line. number of, of of scholarships and signees that came into this program that had to be whacked, that had to be sent home or packing or because of bad evaluations right. and things. Like this. I mean, that, there's the probation. There's your cloud. You yeah. want to talk about a cloud? Exactly. The cloud has been all the recruiting mistakes that essentially has put the program on probation. Exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Hey, so thank you. Like I said, I look forward huh? to your article, Gary. We end up going that way, all right? But keep me on the program. Keep me on the show, all right? You got it, man. Thank you for being part of the show. And, uh, give us a call again next week. 646-595-2048 is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 985. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, uh, Swagger Flies here, Gary. How you doing tonight? What's up, Swagger? Welcome back. Man, look, I gotta say something about the caller a couple a couple of uh, callers ago uh, talking about not going to the game. If you're in the five six one or the three zero five or the nine five four, and you can get out to the game, go to the game because I think you're right. When you flip on the TV and you see blue seats out there, thousands of them, it it doesn't look good for the program. It doesn't look good for the school. It doesn't do anything for recruiting. It just it looks bad, and it's the punchline of every ESPN and XM radio joke that's out there right now. Yeah, so, I would have given them my seats, except I've already done that. I, I've already given mine to another fan that prom that was promising to boycott every game this year, and I said, "Look, c- take my seats and and get your butt to this game." I mean, you know. Yeah, get, get in the sense. Look, if you want to wear a fire-out golden shirt, that's fine. I mean, we all know the situation, but get get to the game if you can. You know, if you have the means to go, go to the game. I just, I just that that bugs me when I see that. I mean, because it's still you know the support the team even though the you know the coaches are obviously what they are, um, and just get, get to the game if you can. That's what I wanted to say. A couple other points, uh, Gary. I, I, you know, the Virginia Tech game, uh, look, you've got a couple of scenarios that happened in that game that kind of encompassed the whole golden regime for the past five years. You had the long pass on the gift by the defense. Everybody talked about it. You guys talked about it already. The long pass on the gift by the Virginia Tech defensive end jumping off line, and Herb Waters basically saying to Joe Paul Jr. and his staff, you know, across the way, we are good enough. So, you know, give Brad Kaya, the leading ACC quarterback, uh, a chance uh, when there's a minute left to go. I think I heard 200 TVs break uh, when they were running the ball those last couple of plays because I think that's what went on in Kane Nation. And if Kaya got sacked and fumbled or threw an interception down there in that situation, they would have been breaking also. Gary, we're plus 11 in the turnover margin. I mean, I don't, I don't think – you got to trust Brad Kaya in a, in a situation like that. Yeah, you're right. If that would have happened, it would have been a disaster. But in that situation, I say get, give give the kid. I mean, give the kid a chance. To, you're like, hey, look, Harbaugh pulled it out, didn't he? I mean, it went the other way. I mean, you have that. You have the Juwan Young situation where Kirby, you know, gets hurt. Sad for him. Okay, that's that's a bad break for the kid. Juwan Young comes in and promptly has. Four solo tackles and an INT. 
Now, where's he been? Okay, he was hurt in training camp. But we're, what, five, six weeks into the season? And he's on the bench. He comes in and makes plays like that. And then, consequently, after the game, Golden's asked by the flagship station, well, uh, you know, you got some young guys playing. He mentioned Jawan Young. And he replies to one of DBJ's got to grow up fast. Like, what? Kids got to grow up fast? Well, I mean, you got to realize that there are things that go on on the practice field that we're not privy to. I mean, you know, he maybe he maybe he has a lot of mental busts on the practice field. For example, you know, I, I I have heard that from time to time, that you know he needed to do a little bit better job learning the play the playbook and things like that. So, you know, we we can't just assume we know everything, and and they obviously know more about their team than we do. They're out there with them every day, and um, so I think sometimes you just got to give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. But but you know what I heard, and Jermaine Grace told me this today was that Juwan Young, the last two weeks, has been spending a lot more time on football. And he's really dedicated himself, and he really badly wanted to earn his way on the field. So when he had to go in the game the other day, he was prepared. And I think that's what you saw. You saw a kid that was prepared performing. No, yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I mean, you know, you <laughs> – he goes in there and he does what he does. I mean, it's impressive. And it's something that we haven't seen, kind of like what you, what, what, you know, just upon Chad Thomas and Muhammad. You know, now all of a sudden this past weekend, I agree with you. They had a heartbeat. They they, they did something. You know, they, they penetrated. They've got in the backfield. You know, they, they did stuff you haven't seen from them in their career <laughs> thus far. You know, I was so, honest. I, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah. I'm, I, we saw it from, from Muhammad last week against Florida State, but I, I, that was a whole different Chad Thomas out there Saturday. I was like, finally. The, the, I mean, oh, my God. They, like, he he was playing relentlessly. There was one play where he, he missed the sack and was, was up the field, and he, he quickly reversed yeah. his course and, and ran the quarterback down from behind. I'm like, yeah. holy cow. Like, where has this been? Where did he go? Where did he go? Where did this guy come from? <laughs> it's it's yeah, everything you I mean, expected exactly. from him. From the day he arrived on campus. Anyway, hey, let me go back to your situation there a little bit since so many guys are talking about it. I mean, there were 58 seconds left in the half, and you get the ball in 21, and immediately Trevor Darling gets a motion penalty. All right? Now you're now you're on your 16-yard line. Okay, why? Like, why do you have to, like, why do you have to push the envelope there? I don't get it. I don't know why people are so upset about this. Because I don't, I don't you know, why? For what? You, you still have okay, a entire half play. Here's why. Because it's a symptom of what a lot of people are frustrated with with the Golden coaching staff. A conservative mindset and an and an attackless, aggressionless way of approaching different situations at certain parts in games. That's why. We wanted to see them come okay, Darling got the five yard sword. We we wanted to see them come out with a minute left and attack and get down the field. Virginia Tech okay, Bud Foster, blah blah blah. They're not that great of a football team this year. I think we all agree with that. Seeing the game last week, they're just not. We wanted to see them come out and, and attack. That's why, and I think that's what everybody was so frustrated about. At least on the board, I know but, when it happened. They but they are attacking. Too. I mean, they're they're, uh, they're yeah, attacking like crazy. They they threw for four hundred yards in Tallahassee. They threw for three hundred yards the other day. I mean, they're attacking like crazy. Gary, if that if that play doesn't happen. And Herb Waters doesn't make that catch. You said it at the beginning of the show. 
I mean, that could be that play if the season goes the other way. That play could be the turning point of the entire season. And how did that happen? On a gift from a it Virginia a Tech. Oh, it was a not total because gift. The coach did that? You know, not because they went for it, and that's why everybody's so frustrated. My opinion. Yeah, and like I said earlier, it's it's a fifty fifty deal. I mean, you can go either way with it and argue it either way. I like I said, I you, you know, you and a bunch of other guys had a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, and I, and I, I'm look, I'm tough to please now. I don't know if you've been reading my columns. No, no, I'm just, just saying. It's just, it's okay, I mean, look, it, it, it's it's a valid point either way. But I just we just want to see this team this team attack the Miami. And you okay? We can get into all that stuff or just move on from it. Okay, so. So, so I tried to I tried to play nice, Gary, after the game at the Virginia Tech game. I put a post up uh, trying to rally the troops, <laughs> trying to rally the fan base that's on Kingsport, and I got demolished for it. You know, I said ground the planes. You know, stick behind the team for this one week. If everybody could just quiet the noise for this one week against Clemson, look, this is Golden's last shot to do something. Now, I know nobody in Kane Nation has any faith that we're going to win this game this Saturday. But I actually have a pretty good feeling about it. I mean, I, I watched Clemson uh, against Notre Dame. I watched them against Boston College. They're a good, a good team. They're undefeated. But I think they're an overrated team. I just do. I think, I think the secondary, I think our wide receivers can, take, can handle their secondary pretty well. I think if the offensive line holds up enough, and gives Kai enough time. I think Kai's going to have to make some time on his own, but he's been better at that the past couple of weeks. I think we need to exploit the secondary. Defensively, I mean, if we can improve off of what we did last week, I think we got a shot. I mean, we're plus 11 in the turnover margin, okay? We haven't really had a chance in the kicking game because everybody's kicking the ball either out of bounds or through the end zone, so we haven't really had a chance. But I just – I don't know. I've got a better feeling about this game than a, than a lot of people. I feel better – about this game than what I did going into Doe Campbell Stadium. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, you should be commended for your post because what what other fan base around America has a war in the skies above the stadium oh. you know, two hours before the game? This is, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, there were four planes up there at the same time the other day. I mean, oh. I'm talking about, I've, I mean, you know, in the past it's been one here, that whatever. There were four of them. I don't know if you were at the Man, game. look, they they were panned the around game? to that, Gary, and I'm just sitting at my on my couch. I'm shaking my head. I'm, I'm going, oh, my gosh. And I understand the frustration, but come on, people. I mean, really? Four air, take four airplanes in the in the air four over five stadiums to make your point? <laughs> well, two of them were in favor of Al Golden. And uh, the, I don't know if you're familiar with Marlins, man. Uh, Lawrence Levy, but he, 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 I think he bought both of them, and he wasn't even really? there. You know, he wasn't even at the game. He's traveling around the country going to baseball playoff games. You, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I've heard his, I've heard his name on here. Gary, yeah, they call him Marlins man. He wears the 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 bright orange Marlins jersey, and he he buys the best seats at every sporting event, and he sits like in, at the baseball games right behind home plate. So you've you've got the home team's fans in all their colors, and you see this bright orange Marlins jersey there on TV. It's hysterical. But he <laughs> he he's not even at the damn game, and he's buying. He must have spent two thousand dollars. I mean, oh, he, he had the, his banner was flying for an hour. I mean that's a lot of that's usually they'll sell you six 
laps around the stadium for like 500 bucks or something like that. This thing was going for a, a whole hour. I mean, he had to spend at least $1,500, It's Oh, my God. It, it, just, I'm just speechless at it. I mean, what can you say? What can Crazy. You say? All right, you got anything else for us this week? Um, no, not really. I mean, real, real quick on all. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's talking about the offensive line. Gary, we did lose three starters last year. I mean, I, I know everybody's down on them, and it's a lot of shuffling. Oh, well, yeah, Gary, uh, Golden, Golden's got a whole new thing going, man. Hey, look, Spurrier had the rotating quarterback, rotating guards, rotating tackles, <laughs> rotating linebackers. We got rotating everything, man, you know? Yep. You never know. Well, you know, you make you made a very good point just now about the offensive line, and, and you're absolutely right. They're rebuilding it. All those guys left. But but here's what I would say to that. Spring practice, summer, fall practice. I think you, you had to exit August knowing who your best five are, and then you got to ride with them. And, and they haven't really been able to do that. And, you know, to me, it's been a mistake. So we'll see what happens Saturday. All right, you got anything else? You there? Yeah, I'm here. Anything else for us tonight? No, I'm good, man. Just keep me on hold. Appreciate you. Let me on the show. Thank you. You got it, man. Hey, thank you for being part of it. All right, uh, 646-595-2048. Hit the number one if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 845. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary. How you doing? Greg. Hey, what's up, Greg? Welcome back. Yeah, I was at the game uh, Saturday. That was a disgrace, that crowd. It was embarrassing, and I feel bad for the kids. It, it really is terrible. Because of the um, empty seats? Excuse yeah, me? Because of the empty seats you're talking about, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. Oh, what do you I, think the crowd's uh, going to be like well, this week? I don't know, but let me tell you. First of all, I don't understand. When, when, when Miami moved to Sun Life Stadium... They botched the allocation of tickets uh, in terms of where they placed everybody, okay? Um, two years ago, they corrected that. They moved the students over to fill in um, half of the, you know, a good portion of the North Stands. And then they, they, they moved some other people around, and they had a decent situation over there on the north side of the stadium. Well... Then they go to this new seat plan this year, and they've botched it all up again. There's nobody who has bought those tickets between the 30-yard lines on the north side of the field because they tried to sell them at a premium. And when the new overhang goes into the stadium next year, those are the seats that are going to be in the sun. So if people are picking their seats for the rest of their life, they're picking the ones that are going to be shaded. And nobody bought those seats in the middle on the north side. Well, the cameras are on the south side looking straight across to all those empty blue seats on the north side of the stadium. I mean, you have, you have to price those sections so attractively that people are buying those. Why do you have people sitting in the upper level on the east side of the stadium sprinkled around? You know, you have no business selling those tickets if you don't have anybody sitting in the 30, 40, 50-yard line seats on the north side of the stadium. So, you know, the university takes some blame in this, too. And I don't understand how, over and over and over again, they keep creating these revenue models that are just totally misguided, and they end up botching their own seating plan, and they're making this program look ridiculous on national TV. They need I agree. 
They need to close, Greg. They need to close the Upper East End Zone. They need to tarp the entire thing. They, you know, they they need to do what they when they put out the schematic drawings. They had these other banners hanging down and stuff that were supposed to dress up the stadium. Um, they need to do all those things and only open the east side of the upper deck for games like Florida State, where you're selling out the stadium. Otherwise, those sections should never be open. They should be covered by tarps that are decorative and look good when they're being shot from the darn Goodyear blimp that's hovering over the stadium for three hours. And it's it's not embarrassing the way it is right now. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I had to get that right. much. That's all right. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little about recruiting now. I went Friday night to see American Heritage against Cardinal Gibbons, and uh, I heard that Miami is not recruiting this kid, Brian Burns. This kid is a beast. And they are recruiting this kid, Dion McIntosh, and he actually did nothing the other night against American Heritage. I, what is going on with this recruiting? I, I happen to know somebody who goes to all these camps, and the Miami coaches thought that Derrick Henry was not a good running back and they wanted to recruit him as a linebacker or a tight end. How'd that work out? <laughs> and Isaiah well. Ford, the kid from Virginia Tech, that kid wanted to come to Miami, and who did we get instead? Langham, Berrios, and Brady. you telling me Ford's not a better player than those three? I'm not telling you that. Well, okay, and uh, let, let me—I know everyone yaps about how great Florida recruiting is. I believe that the two of the most talented players on the Miami team are Najoku and Muhammad. Do you agree with that? Oh, when you guys asked me over the summer what player I thought was going to be the hidden uh, guy to emerge this season, I said every time David Najoku. I think that kid could be a superstar. I think he I mean, could be as good as Jimmy Graham if they oh, use him right. Absolutely, and he's remember he's only a redshirt freshman. I mean, I I really think that kid can be a superstar. I think on a lot of teams you're building your whole offense around getting the ball to that kid. Right. I got one last point. We have trouble inside the five yard line running the ball into the end zone. Why don't these running? Why don't they run plays to the outside? with year being Walton, instead of running up the gut. It's ridiculous. Bounce it out like Duke Johnson used to. The only explanation I can come up with is, you know, maybe they're concerned that their guards can't pull out there, you know, that, you know, the, the, you know, or, or whatever. I don't know, but you know, you're absolutely right. We haven't seen a lot of outside running plays that are like toss sweeps or, or anything along those lines. Sometimes, sometimes the running backs have bounced it outside but we haven't seen a ton of outside runs by design. I know that you watch football. Tom Brady has never been stopped on a quarterback sneak. Why can't Kai a quarterback sneak? Isn't he like 6'4"? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. By the way, the guy who just called said they were plus 11 in turnovers. They're plus 13. They lead the nation. You should not have two losses with a plus 13 turnover ratio. Okay. Well, 
the Cincinnati loss was obviously the bad loss. Right. You know. All right. Well, if you're sitting I, here I right know, now with one loss, you don't feel so terrible. We we had a plus four last week, and we we, we barely won the game. It's it's ridiculous when you win by there are three points with what the last three minutes. That's that's not right. But anyway, thank you for letting me be on the show, and I'm going to the game again. And if they win this week, I'll be at the Duke game. So I hope they win. All right. All right. Thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call next week. All right. right, 646-595-2048 is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you do want to come on the show. And uh, I'm going to take a moment now. Uh, to talk about another one of our sponsors this evening, and that is SeatGeek.com. The NFL season has started. College football is in full swing. And SeatGeek is the place to get tickets to any game you want to go to where you need the aftermarket. Um, Listeners who use, Kane Sport Live listeners, who use the promo code Kane, C-A-N-E, in the SeatGeek app, you got to put the SeatGeek app in your phone. We'll get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. It'll take you less than five minutes to download the app, and SeatGeek will give you $20 off your first ticket purchase. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites don't. First, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of online ticket sellers to create a one-stop shop for tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every single ticket option available for that game all on one page. There's no need to go anywhere else. It's really phenomenal. Also, they have a great feature called Deal Score, where SeatGeek ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map so you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building or in the stadium at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless and easy. No more typing squiggly letters that you can't read into a box like other sites make you do. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket that you want to buy to the sporting event of your choice, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps on your mobile device. There is no faster way to buy tickets. So to redeem your promo code, which is Kane, C-A-N-E, and save $20 on your first ticket purchase, download the free SeatGeek app today. You enter that promo code, C-A-N-E, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 once you've made your purchase. Every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is backed by a 100% guarantee. So download the free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code Kane today to save 20 bucks on your first purchase and enjoy your next sporting event. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, let's go out to the 770, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing? All right. Yeah, baby, I'll be, I'm good. I'm good. What's going on? Doing good, doing good. Hey, this us? bad news king, this bad news king, a.k.a. Steven in Atlanta. Hey, what's up, Steve? How you been? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a season ticket holder. I don't uh, know if I'm going to be able to make it to the game, though, because 
it's so early because I'm going to be in Key West. Got a wedding oh, come and I'm be at the Goon Bay starting on Thursday. No, come but, on. You, you, you know, get in your car I'm at 7 o'clock. You're at, you'll be at the, you'll be, come on, Steve. You'll be at the stadium by 1030. Yeah, I'm trying to work it out. The wedding is Friday. But, you know, it's all the way in, it's all the way in Key West, Gary. Hello? Come on, Steve. Get in the car and come up. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to because we're gonna we're gonna leave Miami Thursday morning ahead at the Key West. But uh, oh Lord, I don't know where to start. Let's start with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is four and three. You know, four losses, three wins. So I don't know how to judge that win over Virginia Tech as just another bad team that Al Golden, you know, won. We looked at. I guess we looked better in that game, you know, with some good things in there. You know, saw some good stuff, saw some bad stuff. So, but, you know, I I, I can't – I'm not going to take too much from that game except we won a game that we should have won. Do you agree? Absolutely. You know, so I – you know, I can't – but back to, like, you know, administration and – People coming out to the game. I'm not gonna tell anybody. I'm a season ticket holder. I'm gonna do my best to see if my wife will let me, you know, take off. Cause me and my cousins are, are the holders of the season tickets, and he's gonna be in Key West too. So he already canceled this room for Saturday, so we can leave. But my wife didn't know I was gonna be trying to leave that early. So I'm gonna have to work that out. Well, you tell her that Gary, to, you tell her that Gary said you must go to the game. That that'll work. But 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 back to like you say that right back to you know like the people around the country, how they feel about it. I don't care about what nobody think about those seats being empty. You know, they're gonna dog the Miami Hurricanes regardless whether the stadium full or empty. They're gonna have something to say. They don't don't nobody care about the Canes like except the Miami Hurricanes. Like Aunt Reese said, you know. Nobody likes us. Nobody wants us, you know, except our fans. So, you know, we, we got to worry about what's right for the University of Miami. So I'm going to let each fan, you know, have his own opinion on what he needs to do and what he feels is right, you know, by them, you know. And with with um all due respect to Blake James, I, I think he – when did he get hired? Uh, he's been there now two. Uh, I want to say, I'm not sure if it's two or three. I'd have to look it up. Two or three years. How long has we had the um, the new sports facility that's up that, that everybody bragging about? The Schwartz Center, a little more than a year. A little more than a year. So they had started that before he got there, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That The money for that All was right, raised. So, Believe it or not, the money for the Schwartz yeah. Center was mostly raised by Randy Shannon. That's what I'm saying. Everybody give Blake James credit for raising money oh, and no, doing stuff no for the program. No, no. Yeah, yeah, no, that was all yeah, done yeah, before. You know, that's what I'm saying. And like you said, you say Randy was had a lot to do with that, but Randy, they didn't give Randy, Randy the time of, of day. Randy was run out of town, and Randy won the national championship with this program. They didn't show Randy that much respect that they showing Al Golden. And Randy bleeded orange and green. But everybody wants to show Al Golden so much respect and so much this. And he has never done nothing for this program 
but slap it in the face and kick it in the ass. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to trying to make it better, he tried to run out the back door to Penn State. Yeah, but you, you can't know, They didn't him. hire him. I don't, they, I don't blame huh? him for that. I don't blame him for that one. I mean, that's home. For trying to run out the back door to Penn State? Yeah, that's home. I mean, anybody would go home. Okay, to, okay, okay. Well, this is to, home to for the place us, Gary. They, you know. Do you, Gary, Gary, you made a good point. That's home for him, and Miami is home for me, you, I think, and the rest of these fans who are belligerent about this dude who ain't even from Miami and giving us his butt to kiss. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So, you know, we're we're done with this guy, no matter what. I don't want him. I, you know, I'm done with him. I support the Canes. Um, you know, I, I went to a booster when he first got hired. He walked up to me. I got pictures with him when he first got hired. He had Atlanta, something up here, downtown Atlanta. And he walked directly up to me because I was decked out of my Canes gear. I shook his hand. We took some pictures. And, you know, but that I didn't know he was going to be this terrible. You know, after two years, I was done with him. You know, so here it is. He in his fifth year, and it's the same old thing, Gary. I'm not going to talk about how many recruiting classes he done went through. Hello? What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean how many recruiting classes? How many classes? recruiting classes has, has Al Golden had? About five? Uh, four? Five, yeah. How many has um Jim Harbaugh had at Michigan? Well, he's had one, but I mean, you're not, you know. But you say, success, but you say, you the know, success at Michigan you know is predicated by the quality of defensive players that were left up there. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. There Harbaugh you have it. Hold on, hold on. But look, 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 coach, look. Okay? He's a great coach. There's no argument <laughs> whatsoever. But they were left with some pretty good players on the defensive side. Yeah, but that's that's the hey. Well, that well, look, they was left with some pretty good players because I, I well. You know, but it just shows what Jim Harbaugh was able to do with maybe we got pretty good players. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We don't know how bad our players is until we get a new coach in there. No, there's no we question. We won't know how good but we won't know how good players. some of these players are. When, huh? Look, whether it's Al Golden or a new coach, there's a lot of very good players that are going to be on this team next year. That's what I'm saying. In the offensive line, you, you was criticizing most of these kids. Most of these kids come out high. They came out highly rated. If we haven't been able to do anything in the last three or four years, it's recruit a bunch of four-star offensive linemen. Now, most of them, whether they pan out or not, most of them didn't look good at at the UM. Even some of the ones who uh, got drafted, they could have did better at the UM. I think it's more the scheme in, in in the in the way they designed the block for the players. They don't step out. They don't turn. You know they don't they, they don't have no type of design to where they try to get you know angles get on the left shoulder and open up the hole which the running back is running in. So I put all that on Art Keo and the offensive coordinator. Are you blind? You can't see that in practice. Or we're not going hard in practice. You know I don't know what's going on in practice. You be down there more than me. Like some of the corners, you know Artie Byrne is looking better. But I, some I of those corners for years, I didn't, I didn't like the way they practiced. I told you that in August. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, hey, I'm not going to blame any of those kids anymore until I see them under another coach that might know a little something, that might try a little something different, then I can fault these kids. But we've been going through so many five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, one-star, and they, for the most part, what, 95%, 98 of them are underperforming? There's something going on at the top, Gary. 
And I'm going to leave it at that. And um, I love you, brother. We we all Kings Kings fans, and we all in this together. So I'm not going to judge nobody, not even the guy flying those banners. I love him. If he got money to spend and he care about the Kings that much, I don't think he's stupid because the Kings have been looking bad under Al Golden for years. And if that's the way he wants to express how hurt he is about what's going on, don't call that man stupid. You let um you let ESPN do that because you know they're not gonna say anything. They're not gonna crit. Well, they starting to criticize Al a little bit, but they're not gonna encourage our program to do better because they like where we are. They put us on for the ratings, you know. But other than that, well, hey, they, the they, they support the Alabamas and the Michigan. Go ahead. The ratings would be a lot higher. Okay. There's no question about it. Yeah. They would be, but they still got to be good because they show put us on just about every big game we in. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Even yeah, when we but, suck, we we bringing some ratings. And you know, Miami got fans everywhere, everywhere I go, and I be a lot of places. I see fans with UM things all over their cars. So you know, there's a lot of fans out there that love the Canes, man. Well, you know, the, we just got to do better. You, Steve, that I thought was a really good point is. You know, let's say there is a coaching change. Look at the talent that somebody's going to inherit next season alone. You got Brad Kaya at quarterback. Okay, you got Yearby and Walton coming back at running back uh, with some, you know, and then then we'll see who ends up being part of the recruiting class. Um, You know, you got Stacey Coley, you know, coming back obviously at receiver, you know, with other guys. And then, you know, obviously you're recruiting a lot of guys there. Uh, so th- there's a lot of good freshman receivers out there. So you got to figure you're going to get your fair share of those. Like them, not like them. Everybody's back on the offensive line. All your tight ends are back. You got Chad Thomas back. I, you know, I don't know if Quan Muhammad will be back or not. We'll see. Um, but, you know, you do have Chad Thomas back on the D line. Uh, Trent Harris will be a year older. Your, your linebacker core, you with um, Juwan Young looking looking so good, and Grace coming back, and then you know hopefully Darian Owens gets healthy and he's back, and you know you'd like to hope you can hold on to a couple of those freshmen, and um, so you know the the point I'm making is that there are some pretty talented kids that are going to be part of this football team next year. Now, is it going to be a complete national championship level team? No, but uh, if there is a coaching change. The new guy coming in is certainly going to inherit some talent, probably not too dissimilar to what Jim Harbaugh uh, inherited at Michigan. So, Steve, you got anything else for yeah, us this hey. week? Yeah, one more thing. Hey, what about that that um, strength coach? They make sure they get rid of him this time when he go. He didn't have his time to. Whatever his name is. They need to call yeah. and see if they can get um, the assistant up under the guy who used to be with Miami who's at LSU. Do we have any assistants out there? He done trained up pretty good. I'm sure. I don't know who they you know, are. We need, we need to get somebody out from over there at LSU, man. Those guys look the part. That's intimidation, right? I look at them. I get intimidated by looking at them. Well, he's the best <laughs> you know? strength coach in the business. No doubt about it. Yeah, so get somebody who worked up under him. Well, don't do like we did. Don't get suckered. Do your homework now. Don't do like the Dolphins did with Joe Filmer. When the Green Bay told him, "Hey, take this guy," and <laughs> he kept the rest, he kept the good guys. So do our homework. Right, but hey, hey man, thanks for letting me talk. Game. Talk to you Make later. Sure. See you Saturday. You got it, man. Make sure you get there. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Hit the number one if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the three zero five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing, Gary Schmeier? Fifty five. 
Hey, what's up, Schmeyer? How, How you doing, doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Garrett, what type of crowd do you expect there on Saturday? God, I hope it gets over 50. Yeah. 58 or 50 actually in attendance? No, 50 really in attendance. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 yeah. Was, that was rough the other day. You know what I could tell you? Yesterday, last week was the first Miami home game I haven't gone to since probably 83. Really? <laughs> But yeah. you're going to go this week, right? I will be there. Yes, I will be there. I will be there. Um, what was I going to tell you? You know, by the way, all these people keep calling, Gary, and they keep and the common trend happens to be that all these coaches are left with talent. Aren't people going to realize that when you're in South Florida that you're going to get talent regardless? It's just what you do with the talent is going to come down to it. Regardless whoever the coach is, there's going to be kids that go to Miami. So, I mean, it's a common thread that I keep hearing that there's talent on the team. There's ta- of course there's talent because there's five-star kids every year in this area. So any coach is going to be able to get talents. What do you do with them? Good point. Um, yeah. And another thing is there's a difference between kids being rushed through the program and kids being redshirted through the program. And obviously Miami's not done a good job redshirting kids, but there's also misevaluations of – kids that they're just trying to rush through that should have never been offered a scholarship anyway, that you want to stick on some special teams just to burn them a year because they're really net their Their ceiling is just not that high. Um, you know, another point that, that you had mentioned earlier is that you think a lot of their, you know, flaws of this coaching staff started with the recruiting. I think it kind of could be conveyed a little differently. If you flip it around Thing of this coaching staff from the start got a little bit of a bad, especially on the defensive side, of a bad reputation for just really not coaching up the kids. And I think that swayed a lot of the kids from not actually even coming to Miami to begin with. True. On the defensive line, I mean, on the defensive line, I mean, you know, D'Onofrio, I think they've been, they had his head on a swivel, then very much, I mean, deservingly put so for the last how many years now? Three or four years? So they've been, not, they really no. haven't got any kids. Yeah. I mean, so. And, I mean, and everyone's heard about Kai and him being good. You know? Gary, by the way, have you seen a team with so much talent that under, under you know, just is not as – they should be so much better? I mean, you realize Artie Burns could be a first-round pick. You probably have the best sophomore quarterback in the country, I would say. You have beasts all over the field, and this team is just such an underperforming team. Well – the Cincinnati loss is what did it. You know, if they're losing the Florida right. State and Clemson, which are two top five teams, I don't think people sure. would have a – well, I mean, they would be upset, but I think they would be more understanding. But when you're losing the Cincinnati, I mean, that's what pollutes the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, that was a I bad mean, step I, in I, the wrong direction that night. Right. And, I'm, you know, and, I, and we will see and time will tell, but – I think you'll see a few more of those along the way. I mean, it's been inconsistencies oh. along the way, which is and that'll mean the end, it. Robert. I mean, if that happens, right. it's going to mean the end, and, and justifiably. Right. So. Oh, I, I I I agree with that. I mean, my my you know my thoughts have already been clearly made about this uh, regime, and we will see. Um, well, it's the final countdown, point. man. Oh, I wanted was- to ask you a question. You know, you know, I kind of. I follow recruiting a lot. What what was the 
I don't remember the whole story with that Octavia Scott. I do remember him being a big recruit, but what was the uh, he was the a story? Big how he wanted yeah, to come to Miami. Define want to come. Well, he 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 probably would have committed to Miami, but but he he didn't have okay. a committable offer. They you know they wanted the other guys they signed. And who were and and what and what class was this? Um, I think it was three. Um, give me a minute. Let me keep keep talking, and I'll I'll look it up. And uh... yeah, I mean, I just remember him being a huge recruit. Um, and I mean, you already know my thoughts about the Amari Cooper situation. <laughs> how they totally botched that one. And uh, hey, how about way, Calvin Ridley? Mentioned... How about Calvin Ridley, who's now Alabama's best receiver as a fresh as a true freshman? Yeah, but you want to you want to really? I mean, let's. We could have an email about that one, Gary. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we all know where that one's going to come well, Scott, from. That's, Scott what, soft- that's what I'm wondering. He's he's a sophomore this year, so right, um, younger. I guess you know we we would have to go back. Um, <laughs> yeah, he would have been one. Right. Tyree Brady. Um, there's another one. Tyree Brady. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, I want to go. I want to pull it up and uh, it, yeah, it was Barrios, Brady, and um, oh, and Langham, and those were the three receivers oh. that they took in that class, and they decided not to take Scott. I don't. I mean, look, it looks horrible right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, but just from my knowledge of, I mean, were any of those? I mean, I know Langham was a kid that had projectable size but really didn't have any much of a high school bannered career, probably a fringe three-star kid. Barrios is what he is. I mean, he's a 5'8 slot receiver, and I know Tyree Brady well. I mean, I could have told you on South Florida Express he was the fourth or fifth receiver on that on that team, not let alone University of Miami. I could tell you he was just just another guy over there. So I'm breaking that down. I mean – I don't know. And I, I remember seeing that Octavia Scott at some of those camps, and that kid was a freak. And there's that's only why, a few kids I could lay. Huh? That's why I said this. This is the number one. It, it was, it's been a recruiting failure. Before yeah. it's been a coaching well, failure, yeah. it's, been, it's been a recruiting failure. How about we call it a combo? <laughs> oh, there's no doubt it's a combo, but I'm just saying. Right. No. The, it, you said right, to no. me I had, a, I had a number of the issues. Number one would yeah. be recruiting. And one, yeah, and one A we could call uh, coaching in general. <laughs> um, All right, Robert, you got anything yeah. else tonight? What else was I going to tell you? You know, Gary, I was oh, you know, my just my one objective is you know a lot of times as Kane fans we kind of get you know we have our own little you know we we're on Kane Sport we we live locally and you know it just I never really go outside of like the box to really hear it. If you ever listen to national broadcasts. And what they talk about this hurricane team, it could be the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard. I mean, I'm listening just to a, I think it was some gambling podcast that they were talking about how the spread of this week's game, what it, what it opened up with and what their thoughts of the game were. What they think about the coaching staff, I mean, it makes us sound lighthearted, what they, what they say. It's re- I mean, this is not an isolated thing. This is like a national issue we have here. This is not just, you know, a few people. This is, I, I didn't realize how bad it really was until you step out of your box or your comfort zone and you listen to what everyone else has to say, it is just disgraceful. And by the way, what that stadium looks like on TV is downright 
pitiful. Oh my by God, the way. it's horrifying. Yeah, I mean it's horrifying. I mean, well they don't. I saw I saw a Purdue game last year that looked like that, but I mean it's I mean it's it's horrifying the way it looks. Yeah, I mean I like to watch a lot of these Sun Belt games and Mac Conference games, and it kind of look like that. <laughs> the other day, the Golden but, Cane section was three quarters empty. And those people are paying twenty five thousand a year for their seats. Yeah, but that happens to be a little bit of the issue because I did go to the Nebraska game, and there was a considerably a lot a lot more people. Well, just when they're just panning in on that two section, whatever they did, right in the middle, of the fifty yard line I on mean, the north you know, side. If you go to right, if you go to any, I don't know, a high end seat wherever it is. Those people are they're all sponsored seats, and those are all people they give them away, and those are not diehard season ticket holders. So a lot of those people don't go to three quarters of the games. They're only going to go to the the big time games anyway, just to be seen. So that's bad that they pan the the camera there anyway, and those look awful because there's just so much extra space. And I do agree with what you said. I mean, there's no reason for those upper those upper. I mean, the upper deck, the end zone should be totally tarped off and just move all those people down. I mean. And, and but the, the sad thing is, you go to look. Even if you wanted to buy a ticket, if you wanted to buy a lower level ticket, they're over a hundred dollars a ticket. Who would pay for that garbage when you could buy it for five dollars outside the stadium or even given to for free? I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's kind of I, I and and I'm with you. I don't want to harp on. I think the administration, when they have to make their you know their decision, they'll make it. It was hard last year. They couldn't do it. Get over it. I mean, because it's already done. They were, weren't put in the situation to really do it, so just get over it. But, I mean, uh, it's there's a lot of things wrong, Gary. There's a lot going on. <laughs> but I'll see you out there on Saturday. I'll be there extra early. You'll see me out there. All right, Rob. Good talking to you. you Let me, I'm just gonna... did, I put, did I put you to sleep? No, no, I'm looking up tickets because I want to make a point here. I'm, I'm looking to see what those seats in, in, in those sections, and, and there's plenty of them for sale. Trust over me. $100. Okay, I all right, let me no. This is the absurdity of this. Okay, okay. All those seats that you see empty on the fifty-yard line on that north side, the reason that they're Are we empty. Are talking about the golden, the golden cane? No, no, seat? I'm I mean, talking the, about the, the other side, the north side, the one oh, that's okay. on, the one that's on TV okay. all the time. If I want to buy a seat for the for the just forget season tickets. If I want to buy a seat there for this game on Saturday, it's two hundred dollars a ticket. Oh. Plus, yeah. plus a three dollar fee. I mean, it's absurd. Plus, plus thirty dollars for parking. I mean, it's it's. Abs- I mean, you wouldn't even pay that to go to an NFL. I mean, it's this is college football, Gary. This is where kids go for free. This is where it's ridiculous. A season it's ticket great- for the season ticket for the whole season shouldn't even cost that much. No, and you have to have the foresight to know that people aren't buying season tickets in those sections because those are going to be in the sun when they put the canopy up. And the section that was right on the 50 actually sold relatively decently, okay? But the two next to it are almost entirely not sold. So, I, you know, I don't know. It, it's so flawed. And I feel – I mean, I feel bad for the athletic department that they did this so incompetently and and so badly misjudged. The fact that people weren't going to buy yeah. and spend two hundred dollars for those seats, um, but they got to do something about it before next year, obviously. Thanks. All right. Well, anyway, as usual, thank you for being part of the show. You got it, Gary. I'll see you out there. Have, Have a good, good night. One. All right, guys. We've got about forty-eight minutes of show left. We got a, a, a 
still a lot of people on the board that want to get on, so let's keep our uh, our points uh, direct and to the point. Let's go out again, 305, where you are now live on Network Live. What's happening, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Uh, JCAT2410. Hey, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Not Talk much, man. We had, we had a back-to-back 305 call. I like it. How about that, huh? Oh, my God. God bless you, dude. I got hung up on you uh, prematurely a couple weeks ago. I wanted to apologize for that. I, th- I thought you had ended the call and I hung up. So, That's right. Uh, I'm if, I don't know if... <laughs> you, you got a thick skin. <laughs> so what you got to say? Gary, so obviously you watch a lot of film, Gary, and I, I, I want to uh, just let you know of a play that I, I know for a fact is going to be run this weekend. And I want to I know if you agree with me. Um, FSU runs the option play on us and Cook shreds us. VT runs it twice on Saturday, and they had somewhat decent gains. I can assure you that the play that Clemson is going to run against us with their quarterback is they are going to run the option play, and he is going to come down the line, but he's not going to attempt to run it. He's not going to attempt to pitch it. This man's going to pull back three yards and try to throw the ball on us. Do you not see that play happening against us with this team this week? Yeah, yes. You're gonna. I'd be shocked if you don't see several looks out of the option because they've made it plainly obvious that they can't defend it. There's no way that that wasn't addressed after Florida State. I don't. I refuse to believe that. I don't care how much everybody criticizes Mark D'Onofrio. I don't care how horrible they think he is. Whatever. There is. I. I can't even begin to imagine that there's any way that the option after what happened at Florida State was not addressed during the week in practice. And I'm sure they addressed it. It, it, it. Maybe they don't really address it until they play Georgia Tech. But uh, in hindsight, and, and have watching, have been you know, a, a, a fan of, who has watched this game and have, has played it, I'm telling you, you're going to see the same attempt this weekend. But this guy is going to pull back and he's going to try to throw the ball on us. And it's either going to go for a touchdown, it might fall incomplete, maybe we pick it off, but they're going to try us. But they're not going to, it's not going to be what we think it is. You know, uh, so that, that's my, my one thought process on that play. And that's one thing I'm going to be looking for uh, at the game uh, this weekend is, is, is how they address Clemson, how they run that play and what they're going to do with the ball, actually. Um, uh, you know, there's a caller uh, uh, a few calls ago in, in regards to our offense being aggressive. And if I'm correct, aren't we like four and four and fourth down conversions? Uh, you might be correct. I don't have the exact number in front of me. I could look it up if you really care. But no, no, it's no, it's fine. It's just, the, the point is, is you know, I, 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 you know, you know, being four for four and four down conversions to me uh, is pretty. Uh, uh, to me, it's impressive. We're only, only six games into the season. Um, you know, we, we obviously we throw the ball a lot. Um, you know, my thought process is when we take a football as the quarterback and we put the ball in the air, technically the ball doesn't belong to us anymore because we don't know where it's going to go. Uh, we're not privy to the ball at that point. Um, either we're going to catch it, it's going to go incomplete, or it's going to get picked off. So as far as our offense being aggressive, I think there's no question that our offense has been very aggressive. And I think that the, 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 
uh, the, the mere fact of just throwing the ball more than you're running it is an aggressive, aggressive style of offense. Yeah, I, uh, I totally coach- agree. I've said that a few times on tonight's show when people were saying they weren't being aggressive enough. Uh, and the, the big foundation for that argument was that when they were pinned at their 16-yard line with 58 seconds left, they didn't come out slinging. And I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that opinion, but I totally disagree with it. And, and by the way, as far as fourth downs are concerned, they're six of nine. There's how many? Six out of nine so far this year. Okay, all right, so that's that's pretty good actually. So my next, so to segue into my next question, right before halftime, what was we we had a we had a we had an illegal procedure on that series, correct? Yes, first play, the ball went from the twenty-one back to the sixteen. Right. So wasn't it, was Kaya was in the shotgun if I if I'm correct, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the shotgun. Yeah, the, other than the one play where he tried to go under center and and, and it was a fumble. Okay, so, and I, so, okay, so I keep watching that play over and over again. I'm not totally convinced that Alex Gall wasn't snapping for the shotgun when he was under center, but yeah, I don't know that the, 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 my, the point I'm trying to make is we have no idea what that play was going to be because our first snap, pre-snap on first down, was, was an illegal procedure penalty, penalty correct? Correct, correct, correct. Okay, so, so I don't understand why people are uh, assuming that we were not going to be aggressive in that series. So here's the deal. We, 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 uh, we, we got the penalty. And then what was the next play they ran? I think they ran a, a run play, correct? Yeah, they ran two run plays. And Virginia Tech oh. called timeout after each of them. Okay, and then we had the 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 the, the, uh, the lucky snap where the guy comes off sides. Now we throw the ball deep, and now we get possession. Now we score the ball. So you know, it's, we we don't really we, again. You have you have armchair quarterbacks. And, uh, and well, that's what uh, you know, fans people do, but, but you know, most good coaches <laughs> will tell you that the one thing you don't ever want to have happen, no matter the sport, whether it's football, basketball, you don't want something bad to happen to you right before halftime. Then they, then knowing Golden, and and if he's really conservative, he would have taken a knee. Okay, so yeah, that tells me that maybe there's. You don't want to go into halftime on a down note. You know, it it deflate it deflates teams. It's been proven over and over again. So you know, most smart coaches coach that way, and and sometimes they'll get a little conservative at the end in the last minute or two of the first half to try to avoid a massive negative situation that will just cast a, a an epidemic on the locker room at halftime. No, I no, I agree. I agree. Next question, very seriously. Who do you think has the better quarterback? Brad, who, who do you think is the better quarterback, Brad Kyer or Watson? They're different. You know, they're both good at, at, at what they do. Who Who's going to probably be a better NFL quarterback? Uh, I think you would have to say Brad Kaya. You know, he's more, he's a more of a traditional pocket passer. Um, but Watson, for what he does, is phenomenal. What, what I'm trying to get to is, is what our defense looks, defense looks at in practice. So my next question was going to be our skill guys, our running backs and our receivers. How do you compare them to Clemson? Are we, do we have better skill position players than Clemson, or are their skill guys off the charts better than our players? I think they're comparable. Where, where Clemson is, is going to be better is at the line of scrimmage, uh, probably maybe at linebacker. I mean, there aren't too many positions where you would say Miami's clear-cut better than than Clemson, but they, I think they are comparable at a few. Hmm. 
Well, again, I was just trying to gauge of you know what our what our defense looks at in practice, and knowing we have really good skill guys, we have a great quarterback yeah. versus obviously they've got a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So maybe that's an even, maybe that's even. You know, maybe again, maybe our skill players are better than them. So what I'm trying to get to is is, is it possible that our defense is going to face a Clemson team that has a great quarterback like Kaya, but maybe you know average to you know slightly above average skill players like we do, and they can handle it. It's not going to be too big for them. That's what I'm trying to get at or, or, oh, or it's think not about. Going to be too big for, no, it will not be too big. Absolutely, will not. Be All right, too well, big. that's. I mean, that's that's good news actually. You know, that that I mean that that says we have a chance at least. There's always a chance when you're at home. Uh, you know, you see it all the time. You see underdogs at home beating teams that really aren't as good as them, but capitalize on having a you know being at home, having a home field advantage, and putting together their best ball game. Um, two more points. Uh, the first one is going to be um, this week in regards to us winning in the game. Actually. I, you know, somebody had made a comment that they, you know, they thought we needed to run for 100 yards on offense in order to win the game. I don't think that's accurate. I, I really think in order for us to win this game, I think Yerby needs to have a 100-yard-plus game, and I, like, 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 a, like a game he had you know, a couple games ago um, uh, against FAU if possible. Uh, and obviously Clemson is a better defense than FAU. That might not be possible, but you never know. Uh, being at home, uh, and then Walton, you know, at least a step up with 50 yards. I'm looking at at least 150 yards rushing, uh, you know, no uh, turnovers on offense, and our defensive line somehow containing this guy, you know, keeping him inside, you know, keeping him from maybe being able to hit the corners on us and, 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 and you know, and, and, uh, and get the edge on us and maybe take things outside. You know, I, I think this kid's uh, uh, obviously uh, – He's dangerous when he gets outside the pocket. He can make a play happen, you know, with his feet, and then he's throwing the ball downfield. If there's a, if there's a way we can contain him inside, keep everything inside, minimize the, the, the you know the uh, you know the turnovers on you know on offense, obviously, which we've been pretty good at, and at least 150 yards rushing. I, I really think that's the only way that we can win this game somehow. I don't. I I think it's gonna be hard to get to 150. I I really do. I I don't like the matchup of Miami's offensive line against Clemson's defensive line at all. I, I think it's going to be very similar to the FSU game where they were unable to run the football. And if they're going to be in the game in the fourth quarter, it's going to be because of Brad Kaya and the receivers making plays. So so, so why wouldn't Coley, as an offensive coordinator, switch things up and maybe come out of the eye formation and try to run the ball? I mean, maybe run some stretch plays. Like the, there was a caller earlier that was saying, you know, why are we always running up the gut? Why, why are we not maybe trying to stretch the play outside a little bit? Why, why, are we not, why, why, why can't the thought process be, you know, let's go old school style. Let's line up with a full back in the back. Well, whether it's, it's uh, the white dude or, or I forget his name or, the, or, uh, or Walter Tucker. Tucker. Walter Tucker. And, and maybe going a little old school at him and, and maybe, you know, trying to, you know, you, know, you have a lead blocker, and maybe we can have Yerby kind of come off his backside a little bit, you know, according to where, you know, the, something might be open. You know, why, why we, we're always – and I'm just I'm well, making another comment after this. I, I, mean, I, 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 no, I don't think it's going to happen. That's what I'm telling you. Well, no, I, it's, it's not going to happen. you're going to see James Coley roll some things out in this game that you haven't seen yet. It, it's not, it's not going to be the I-formation with a fullback, I can guarantee well, you that. Well, it, it might not be, but I do think that you're going to see some things that you haven't seen yet, and whatever that might be. I mean – you know, they they know what games to circle before the season starts and and you always try to you know come into those games with some wrinkles and you have to. I, I I'm gonna make one more comment and I'm gonna tell you something I haven't seen. I didn't see last game. I don't think I've seen this in a while. You you wanna know what I haven't seen from this offense in, in, in quite some time? 
them getting in a huddle and calling a play. Well, they're trying to go That's, more, a, a little more up tempo this year. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's I know, I, I, I get, I mindset. get that, but you know, you're not gonna I mean, it, that too, are you? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, on, no, I'm not going to. No, that's we, cool. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. But again, you can't criticize everything. I mean, they're, they're no, trying to be I, a little I, more. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not criticizing I'm cool with it as long as it's effective. What I'm saying is that if you look at the game of football and how and and, and who we were uh, who we were as an identity as far as a team back in the day, we were a pro style offense. You know, we were we were we were uh, you know an I formation team that would play action pass. You know, uh, how many times did we score on the waggle play back in the day with with Steve Walsh to Chudzinski? That was one of my favorite plays back in the day. You know, um, we we don't do that anymore. There there is no. I, I haven't seen I, I haven't seen Kaya bootleg a, a you know do an outside bootleg where he's by himself um, except, except if, he, if he's scrambling you know I, I just think we're we're so one dimensional in our offense with him in the shotgun we've got it, it's so predictable what they're going to do he's going to be in the shotgun you're going to have the running back on the right or left side he's going to get the snap he's going to fake it or hand it off he's going to pull out and he's going to throw the football it's it's so predictive now it's like they they run out of, they run out of one formation and. I mean, God bless them. They've been doing great. You know, they you know they had a drive that won the game last week, and I get it. But I, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I just think there, you can do more. You, there, there's nothing wrong with slowing the game down a little bit offensively and, and giving people different looks. So you know, it, I, I don't know. It's uh, you know, so so many people complain about the defense. So in, in my theory is, you know, how do you keep the defense off the field? You slow the, the pace of the offense down. You, you get into a huddle. You, 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 you eat the clock, the, the, the game clock down. You call a play. You walk to the line of scrimmage, and you run your play. Even if you wanted to be in a spread option, you could still do the same thing. So it's just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to support Golden, and I, I've been doing it. And, you know, I, you know, I'm happy that we're 4-2. and two. I don't like the Cincy loss. Um, you know, I think uh, we have a great chance of winning this week. I just, I just think – there's so many options on the table that you know they can entertain and look at, and I just don't think they're doing it. They're they're so caught up into 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 one thought process, and I, and I think uh, and I'm not complaining because I think the offense you know is is the reason why we're four and two. Uh, but with that said, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I will continue listening. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks, man. Bye. All right, let's go out to the eight five zero. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, come on. Next time, don't hit that number one. Uh, let's go back to the 305. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? <laughs> come on, guys. If if you don't want to be on the show, don't hit the number one. If you did and you, and you don't want to be on the show, hit it again. It'll it'll disappear from my queue. Let's go out to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Who's this? It's Ross. Jerry. Hey, what's up, Ross? Yeah, how you doing hey, this week? I'm good, I'm good. I'm a, little, I'm a little more calmer this week, not because of the victory. The guys are making a lot of good points, really, really good points. And I agree with this caller when he says um, it's, not, it's not for nothing more than coming out of the huddle, settling down, getting into the, into the running play, and bullying whoever we are facing at the line. We're spreading the ball out. He's checking off. He's going through all these checks. Next thing you know, the clock is being run down. We're misusing the clock. It's just a lot of stuff that we got to get back to just to look like a team. Again, um, weekend in and weekend out, I'm watching other teams. I'm a fan of college football, so I'm watching other teams. And I'm like, that's what it's supposed to look like. 
even if they don't lose today, even if they lose the game, they look like they know what they're doing out there. We feast and sound. We look good for two plays, can't get three yards in the next play. A simple out pattern, we're messing it up. On defense, we finally decide that we want to go ahead and play these guys consistently. Then you look up, I see number 25 in the game. For whatever reason, because I didn't hear anybody was hurt, for whatever reason, they just can't help themselves to make substitution in the defensive backfield. It's really, really bad. I do have a question for you, though. Maybe I'm missing someone. Maybe I'm just not thinking right now. If Burns leaves and he goes to the league, who do we put in? Who would you have confidence for next year? Who do you confidently believe is going to fill that spot for next year? Man, I mean, I mean, Corn Elder will be back. Um, yeah, Corn Elder's on the side. I already know I mean, that. I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, Ryan Mays. And that's my problem. That's my problem. We bring in guys and we talk confidently enough. The staff, they talk confidently that they're recruiting this guy and they, they work real hard to get him and he takes the home visit or whatever the hell they're doing. But then we're not confidently you know me and you can't answer that question of who really steps in. And now you got a guy over there in Alabama. I'm not competitive about in Miami right now, but I'm saying this Gerald, who's from New Jersey, by the way, he steps in and he's still in shoes as big as I don't know what because you know what? He's being coached to do that. Who do we have to step in next year and say, okay, I've been here. I, did, I took a red shirt on. I'm a true freshman. I'm ready to go at the cornerback position. Burns did a great job, but here I am. I'm the next dude here. We usually – have no problem doing that. I mean, and you know, are, Michael Jackson's going to get a look. Ryan Mays is going to get a look. Um, you know what? And you know Sheld- what? I Sheld- Sheld- Red Wine. Red Wine. I mean, they got guys. Ross, they got guys. They're trying to develop for that situation. But that's you know, good. Have- and you started looking at the list, and I like Red Wine, and I like Jackson. What I'm saying, we have to have those guys that when we know, we already know who's going to fill those roles. I'm not, well, I'm not we're asking the coaches right now. They would say that's who's going to do it. Yes, but you get you get this is what I'm trying you to say. Tyler Bird, a true freshman coming in. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a corner. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm just going to get back to where we know that guys are going to fill these spots. Now I give credit, a big shout out to Young for stepping in and playing a big role at the linebacker position. I really got to give him a lot of credit there. Hopefully it continues this weekend and, and so on and so forth. Now, for, as far as this whole recruiting kit thing and we're not recruiting that wide receiver, and he, it, it, it'll be our luck that he comes in and he scores two touchdowns on him just because. And, 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 and the guys on the TV, on the broadcast, is going to be all over that. Of course, you know, they're going to put that in light. They're going to put that up on the screen. They're going to mention that he wanted to be recruited by Miami. And, of course, our luck, he'll score two touchdowns. Just always, it just always work out that work out like that for us. Unfortunate. You agree? I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, you're making a legitimate point. I was just saying, it's just, it, I hear the temperament of the guys tonight, people that's calling in. I just think we we're fed up, and we're just saying we want to enjoy the games again. We're 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 on pins and needles on every play. 
We're looking to see if we're going to call a timeout on every play because we don't look organized. I want to go back to looking organized. And a God, the number is 66 on the offensive line need to sit down, need to take a seat. He is terrible. They, we, we made such a big deal about substituting at the beginning of the game that every time you turn around, he's back in the game. I'm tired of the, I'm tired of the, the 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 staff playing games with the fans. The big change that they made, and then as soon as you look around, he's back in the game, making stupid plays. Can't get a block. Guys are beating him off the off the off the snap. You know what, Ross? I I totally agree with you on this point. I don't understand that aspect of it. I I they feel for the coaches in some regards because the the players that they're trying to 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 work with in some cases just aren't good enough. But I agree with you. Once you make a change, why don't you have conviction to give your change a chance over an extended period of time? Why are you rotating in immediately? And I I don't understand it. Like last, said, you know, I don't know. Because it's the way he recruits. He makes these promises in the sense of, like, when you come here, you're going to play, and he doesn't want the recruits to see that these guys are not playing. Why Why should you worry about an offensive lineman? What about his recruitment? He's a freaking offensive lineman. Let I think you gotta, you got to put the best players on the field at that position. you got to figure out who your best five are, and you got to roll with them. That's, let them roll. Let that's them the roll. That's the be successful. And, yes, you got to have backups ready when somebody gets hurt, but you got to pretty much roll with your best five. All right, Ross, you, you got anything else? I want to let other people well, get on. About it. About it. But you see what happens when we keep, our, we keep the same set of guys on the defensive line, our front seven, and we roll with that. We're looking a little better. We just got to get coached yeah, up a little bit more. I mean, you're right. I mean, um Thomas, and uh, Muhammad are playing o- almost every down now. I mean, they're, they're bringing in Kamalu a little bit here or there, and and obviously you're still rotating some, but they've warmed up that rotation quite a bit. One last point, and I'm going to get right off and keep me on hold. I also think he should let these guys, even it doesn't matter if I'm pass downs or not, they should stand up and not get down in the three-point stand. Confuse them a little bit. Stand up, move around, stand up, move around, then attack. Because we got fast guys now. we got quick guys with quick hits on that defensive line that can get in between the creases and make it stop. But if we keep getting down the three-point line, it's going to be a problem. We need to get them moving around, moving around, and see what happens. Yep, fair enough. All right, Ross, we'll talk oh, to you next thanks. week. Yep. Keep your hope. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the 2 so you got to wait for it something huh? Let's go to the 251. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Yeah, you with us? Yeah, how you doing, Gary? Doing good, doing iPhone good. iPhone Kane, Mobile. I got a question for you, man. All right, I don't understand why everybody keep giving Coley offense a hard time. I mean, as compared to the defense, I mean, he don't even have a star-ranked player like the defense have. Obviously, the defense is the weak link, but, like, people still like dogs. Coley's doing a very good job. I mean, when you consider the problems that they have on the offensive line, for you know, and in the last two weeks, you go into Tallahassee and throw for 400 yards, and then you throw 300 for 300 against Bud Foster, and you know you're you're pretty much playing pretty darn good offense week after week after week. I don't know why people have would have a problem with Coley. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand that either. And another thing is, like, 
I don't understand how people like dog out crystal ball as a head coach. I feel like he kind of got a bad rep at FIU. I think he he was the hottest coach, one of the hottest coaches. And I think the AD just got tired of giving all these schools permission to talk to him. And so once he had one no, day, I think it, along, it became an ego battle. And the, oh, okay. AD decided, the AD decided to show him who the boss was. That's all. I mean, it, you know, yeah, it was just but, two. It was two guys who are have you know. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not low ego guys. Either one of them. I mean, they you know. I mean, P. Garcia is a big ego guy, and you know, Mario <laughs> is, is just an absolutely passionate werewolf who obviously is very confident in what he's doing, and. Um, they didn't get along, and and there was a little bit of an, a lot of internal friction there. And and when he had that bad season, when everything went wrong, the AD yeah. chose to chose to exploit that and, and yeah. fire him. And and it was you know I'm going to show you who the boss is, MFR. You know, and that's all it was. Yeah, because I think he, I thought he did a great job at FIU. I remember sitting there watching him a couple of times. I'm like, man, this FIU team could beat Miami right now. Yeah, sure. I mean. They they went into Louisville and they beat Teddy Teddy Bridgewater and 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 Louisville a team that went on and beat Florida and in in the Sugar Bowl I mean you, you, you know they they um they did a lot of really good things when he was at FIU yeah yeah I think if if Golden were to get fired I mean I, I think he'd be a great choice and I think with him you can keep Coley as OC and just improve the defense I like I like Coley as offense coordinator and he's getting quarterbacks here people still to realize. Beforehand, if, if, we we want to sign the quarterbacks at all. If this job comes open, you're going to have such a list of candidates that it's hard for me to sit here and say one guy is a clear cut choice. I mean, there are yeah, going to be so that. many attractive candidates, in my opinion, for this job if it comes open. Yeah, because I mean, and I'm just going to get Golden coach now because the job's not open. And I don't, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be disrespectful to Al Golden, but I'm saying if yeah, it I'm does come that. to that, this is going to be a hot job. Yeah. Even with the problems. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not that many problems. I mean, you know, football is football. I think Golden, he can't even. The thing about Golden is, your top 25 recruiting class every year. Nobody else in your division, coastal, whatever it is, is even top 50 damn near. And you can't beat everybody on your side. I mean, I can see if you're on the side with Florida State and Clemson, but you're on the side with Dukes and all those, and you can't win those games on a consistent basis. And the defense is just horrible with D'Onofrio. This last game against Virginia Tech, though, I saw he ran a lot of four-man fronts with uh, Muhammad and, and um, Chad, and hopefully we'll, we'll continue that this week. Because the Florida State game, I don't think we blitzed it all the first half. Eight back it looked like. Every play. Not a lot of blitzing going on. Yeah, and I mean, now, no now, imagination at all. And now with the injuries at linebacker, I don't think you're going to see very much this week either. And and that's another thing. Like to me, Grace is a could be a great blitzer, but we don't even blitz him at all. At all. I mean, very rarely. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember reading Sean Spence was like what top one of the top tackle for loss guys every year. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Grace is kind of just like Sean Spence, but hell, we don't even blitz him at all. We just have no. most of we blitz is corners and safeties. Not a, yeah. I don't even hardly ever see us blitz linebackers or whatnot. I don't know. I, I, I just hope we get a change after this year because I mean, it just it's just bad. I stay in Mobile, and majority of my friends are, are believe it or not Florida State fans, and I gotta hear they crap all the time. <laughs> just just getting out of hand, man. 
I told him, uh, and everybody keeps saying, like, Miami's not going to get rid of Al Golden. I said, man, you go 0-5 against your rival, even though Butch did that. But he did with showing improvement. You haven't beat a ranked team in five years. You haven't made it to your conference championship game. I mean, what basis can you stand on to say I, I deserve this job for another year? Well, these it, no. these next two weeks are it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, think we can beat Clemson if we come out there and play. But, you know, that that's the thing with Al Gold. I mean, we ha- we never play a complete game with them. You know, he never, he never has a better job play, to play a complete game. Better play game. a complete game Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And one more thing, man. Me and the guy was having a discussion. Uh, I was talking, we was talking about, like, the probably the biggest recruit that Miami probably missed on, they probably changed changed the history, I believe. I think one of them is Patrick Peterson because I think when Patrick Peterson left and went to LSU, I mean, now every top DB in the country wants to go to LSU. I mean, you got the guy Tolliver and all these guys, most of these Florida guys, uh, and, like, they just want to go. Everybody want to be the next Patrick Patterson, Peterson or whatnot. I think that was the one recruit that we really missed out on. If we would have had him with Brandon Harris and Sean Spence and them, I mean, I think he would have won three games for us just by himself. But I, I think Shannon them kind of blew it on that one, though. <laughs> well, Patrick Peterson. Well, that's all. The, yeah. Oh yeah. Without a doubt, him and um, Dwayne Bowe and all those guys, LSU. I mean, it was it was obvious that one. His, his brother transferred to Cincinnati. Am I right? Uh, not sure. Yeah, I think his little brother transferred to Cincinnati. But that's all, though, Gary. One more thing. I enjoy your Sunday articles, man. I, I really look forward to those after the game. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I work hard on them, so I'm I'm glad to hear somebody's reading them. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right man. man. No problem. Th- thanks for all being right, part of the yeah. show. We'll talk to you next week. All right, no problem. All right, let's go to the uh, 601. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? 601. Going once. Going twice. All right. You have to call back. Sorry about that. Let's go to the two four zero. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is D Black Twenty One. Hey, they've been waiting for you on the message boards. You're a legend. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, we had we had playoffs this weekend, so we was just doing uh, some some film study with it, with the you know with the team. So that's how I got on late. Um. Uh. Steve, I was I got on when Steve was was talking, and you know, and I agree with a lot of things Steve, a lot of the points he was making, in reference to like Randy Shannon, and uh, Al Golden, and you know, speaking about this game this past weekend, I mean we did what we were supposed to do. We beat the we beat the bad Virginia Tech team. We beat a bad a bad Virginia Tech team. I'm happy for the victory, but. I don't I'm know if sure. they're I'm bad. Come on, they're not bad. They're average. No, uh, no, no, no. They're bad. They're average. Come on. Oh, no, 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 Gary. When, when, when I say bad, I say bad because traditionally when you think of Virginia Tech, you think of a team that plays in all four all phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Virginia Tech was known for special teams, Beamer ball. That's been non-existent for the past two years. Brett Foster's defense, Brett Foster would line up in his base defense and smack the snot out you. He How about this? To do that. I got a proposal. I got a proposal for you. They play Duke at yeah. home. They play Duke at home in their next game this uh-huh. weekend. Okay, okay. Let, 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 let's, let's withhold judgment until we see if they beat. If, if, if they lose to Duke at home, then I'll uh-huh. agree with you. 
then we'll agree that they're a bad team. How about that? All right. Okay. So right now, let's just say they're a little a little below average. Let's say that. <laughs> I won't say they're I won't say they're bad, but they're not a Virginia Tech team that we're accustomed to seeing. Can we agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. You know, and Virginia Tech always always was known for having good decent a uh, good DBs. A good DBs. The DBs right now, they're not as great. But we did what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to win the games that you're supposed to win. That's on your schedule. That's what you're supposed to do. Against Cincinnati, we were supposed to win that game. We did it. You know, and we're talking about the, the people, some of the calls we're talking about recruiting and things of that nature. And the one caller said there's always talent in South Florida. That's true. That's true, Bill. But it doesn't matter if you have talent. If you're not getting coached, if your talent isn't getting coached up, I mean, they're just wasted talent because they're not going to perform on the field. Natural ability only is only going to take you so far. It's what you do with it when you get it. And our coaches have shown they haven't done much with the talent that they, they, that they got. You can't tell me Tracy Howard is really that bad. You can't tell me he's really that bad. He's not that bad, but he's not great either. Exactly, but he'd be a lot better if he had a better coaching. Well, maybe. A lot of people understand. See, they have this. This is what I would do if I was if I was coaching Tracy Howard. Tracy Howard would never play to the field because he doesn't have the speed. So Tracy Howard will always play to the boundary. He's boundary corner. Your boundary corner is normally sometimes your best tackler. But it's not your fastest and not your best cover corner. Not your best cover corner. Your best cover corner, you play to the field. That's why you call them the field corner because it's the most space and you want to cover the best receiver. Your boundary hey, you corner is going to be to the short side. Do you have a uh, problem with how he lines up? Somebody called I, yes, earlier. I, I hate, yes, I hate the way he lines up. I hate the way he lines up. I hate it. But I'm not the coach. So, I mean, you know, he's doing what he's taught. To do, but it's just it's just little things, Gary. It's, it's just little things that you can do to to fix things or to hide a hide a player's um God, what's the word? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hide a player's faults or his his defaults, or whatever to hide it. You know what I'm saying to, to hide it. You know it's not fast, so you're never playing to the wide side of the field. You want to cover up his weaknesses, huh? Yeah, cover up his weaknesses. Cover up his weaknesses the best you can. Exactly. Exactly, and Zanacho doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Just like with, you know, with, with Kirby, you know. With Kirby, he didn't do, this, he didn't do that either. And I got a, a, a real problem with Al Golden says, this team has better leaders on it than last year. They have the same players. So are you saying Denzel was not a leader? Because he was by far your best player. I don't care who's your best player. 100 tackles a year. You try to say Duke wasn't the leader in his own right, and you're trying to say it's all about you got that, that team had a lot of me guys. Well, if I'm not mistaken, you made it about certain players. Like in the bowl game, you made that game all about Duke Johnson. Let's send Duke, 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 but not about the other players. So you made some of the players me guys with the way you treated them. So now you're saying we don't have me guys on the team? That's real hypocritical. 
but you say you have better leaders on the team. No. No, you don't have better leaders because you don't have better players on the team. And you still went six and seven with the same players that's on this squad. So which one is it? See, now I think he's reaching. See, he's reaching now into that bag, into that excuse bag. And it's, and it's becoming empty. It's becoming empty now. Because I don't care. You can't talk about the, the cloud because the cloud never really took scholarships away from it. It may have hurt a little bit, but you can't use that excuse anymore. What about the product on the field? You guys got to coach these cats. And you're not developing them. Why, why, why are we halfway through the season and now y'all realizing to play Chad Muhammad at the same time all, the, whole, the whole game? And when you see him every day in practice, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I mean, what's the point? I, I agree with you on that. I, I don't understand how they came out of training camp without some of the stuff settled. But, you know, the, the one thing I will say is that if you remember back to August when the offense was having all that success in, yep. in those in those scrimmages, I said, you know, I'm not I'm not sure that that's like such a great thing. Number one, you know, it's not a great commentary on the defense that they were having all that success. But the other thing that was going on that maybe we didn't realize to the degree that you know I know I realize now is they weren't because of the issues that they had on the defensive line they weren't really getting a true picture of their offensive line. Right. And you're sitting right. here midway through the season now, still mixing and matching offensive linemen, trying to find the right combination. And I said earlier, I mean, that's not a recipe for success on the offensive no. line. And you know, Gary, and and, 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 it's, and this is tried and true at and, and youth, and youth football to high school to college to NFL. The defense is always the first thing to jail. The offense takes time. So the defense should have been dominating the offense in the earlier scrimmages. If the scheme is player friendly, if the scheme isn't player friendly and the players got to go out there thinking instead of reacting, then, yeah, they're going to get their butts kicked in because they're doing too much thinking and they're not going out there just playing off of emotion and off of instinct. And that's what our problem has been since Golden and Denafio's been here. And one of the other calls, I'll make this one point and get up out of here. Um, we need to go out. We need to huddle up. We need to huddle up. And running from the shotgun, like he said, is very predictable. It's very predictable. If the, run, if the running back is on the left, left-hand left side of the quarterback, nine out of ten times, he's going to run a power play to the right. If the running back's on the right, nine out of ten times, he's going to run a power play to the left. Once you line them up and run the affirmation and run run the zone, run the stretch zone, that will give the running back a two a two way go. Either if the tight end seals that D in, seals him in, that gives him the outside. With the offensive line slowing, you know, play side play side running, backside chopping, that gives him a two way go. Either the cutback lane or he hits the edges. That's what type of backs we have. So why don't we think players first then plays? Play players first, then play. Get them in position. Use their ability. Use their talent. That's what made Bush Davis, Jimmy Johnson, and all them cats at Miami so great because they recognized what type of players we had and the skill set that we did we, based on plays, based on the players that we had and what they can do. Right now, we're not doing that. 
Use them backs. Get them on the edges. I haven't, I haven't seen a tall sweep from Miami in so long. Just a simple tall sweep of the isolation. Tall sweep, pull the two guards or the guard and tackle, let's, and let's get busy. That's Dick Yeah, I, well, I mean, the, the, from the formations they've been running, I guess it's, it's pretty hard to, to run a toss sweep. I mean, you could do it, but. No, no, I'm saying that's an affirmation. Yeah, you're you're talking about with the quarterback under center. Yeah, I know I know what you're saying. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. I mean, they put Kaya under center for one play the other day, and it was a botched snap. So I don't know if we're going to see that again anytime soon. All right, That's D-Black, crazy, let but me, my thing. Let me let me these guys, I'm going to let these last few guys get on. Uh, give us a call again, obviously, next week. Give me a hold. I definitely will. You got it, man. Thanks, as always, for being part of the show. Let's go to the 865. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Uh, this is the first time I've ever listened to your show. Uh, it's because I'm a Clemson fan. And uh, I didn't know it was so bad down there. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of unrest. So you're a Clemson fan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you, com- are you, for you, coming, in for years. The, you coming in for the game? Oh, uh, no. I live in Nevada now. So. <laughs> and you're a not a Miami fan thing. at all? No, no. no I'm just checking up on you guys. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just right, wanted well, to call did, did you have any in, questions uh, or comments? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm listening to a couple guys, you know, talking about the Tigers and everything. One thing we can say about Golden is we love him here. I mean, <laughs> you know, since, you know, the fall of Miami, we really pulled in quite a few players. I mean, Artavis Scott being one. So, guys, you should hold right. on to him. Clemson's good kind of swooped in a little bit there and, and, and yeah. filled that slot in the ACC. Yeah, we and, and you know it's not just Scott. You know, there's other players that, like uh, Sammy Watkins, the J. Ron Curse, on the Kenzie Alexander. These are special players. I mean, you got your four and five, then you have your special players, and these guys have come to Clemson. And we're really yeah, how are they? Hey, how do you, how do you, how are they, I'm going to let you answer this question. How how are they doing it? Like, how are they getting some of these elite kids from South Florida and, and around the state to come to Clemson? Well, number one is Dabo. Dabo is the type of coach. He's the ultimate player's coach. Kids love playing for him. And, uh, and I tell you, in, in the style of offense, he says the best player is going to play, and they typically do. Look at Deion Kane. Look at, you know, Ray Ray McLeod. These guys came in. There's already talent on the squad, but these guys have really shown through. Any Anything else? Um, yeah. Hey, you guys have kind of underestimated the Tigers a little bit. Somebody says – a couple of these guys, you know, saying, hey, you, we can run on these guys. This is the most balanced team that we've had, you know, in a long time. I mean, I we agree. have a good they, team. They're very balanced. Balance. They're very balanced you and know, they're very good. They're going to, I'm, mean, not, I'm, not, I'm just, not sure there's not a little bit more to their recruiting, but I don't ever, you know, I don't go, in, I don't go too much in that direction But than, than, what you're, than what you're suggesting. I mean, I think it's a little bit more sometimes than, than the offense and Dabo Sweeney, but – but you're absolutely right. They are balanced, and uh, they're very good, and it's going to be a huge test, obviously, from Miami on Saturday. So enjoy it on TV. Right. Oh, I will. I will, and uh, hey, good luck to you guys. I've always respected the program. Back to Miami fans. But uh, right, enjoy it on TV. I'll leave you on hold in, in case you want to listen to a little bit more of this greatness uh, before you go to sleep. I know Clemson doesn't have a show like Kane Sport Live with fans that are as knowledgeable as what you've been listening to this evening.
And now let's go to the 484, where there's one more now. Live on King Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? It's Philly. Staying up late. Hey, what's up, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Clemson fans can't can't bring it like you guys here on Kingsport Live. I know that. Oh no doubt. You know we 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 got the knowledge. We know like we know our team like backwards and forwards. Yeah, well, you might not um, always I, think what you know these days, but you know it. Yeah. Now I wanted to, you know talked about um, Octavia Scott earlier, and and that was the same class where we had um, Charles Rudolph and Armand Lane and Johnny Dixon uh, down here in South Florida as well, and we had missed out on all them that all them dudes. Yeah. And then you know we fouled that up the the next year and we missed out all those um all those defensive backs like like Carlton Davis, Devontae Davis. You know, Travis Rudolph, he's doing okay at Florida State. You know, he's having he's having an okay year this year and footballs I I mean I I'd have to look up the stats, but what the heck is Johnny Dixon doing at Ohio State? I haven't heard his name. No, he's not he's not he's been like he's been having um he's been injured. Like he's been injured this year. So he hasn't really like um, done anything this year, and then they had like um, like Braxton Miller has pretty much came back, and he kind of took over the third receiver role, and then Jalen Marshall has came back from like basically getting suspended with Bosa, so he's kind of took over as well. So, you know, that's the reason why you haven't really heard Giant Dixon's name, but you know hey, those guys. I mean, he's caught one yeah. ball this year. But I mean, those guys are still, you know, because you you look at it like okay, like you mentioned like Calvin Ridley, you know, like. We had we just we had we had lost Amari Cooper to Alabama. Then Alabama, of course, with Mary Cristobal comes back into South Florida and they get Calvin Ridley and pretty much they don't miss a beat. You know, he's now their best receiver. So they just they just took a South Florida receiver. He was like one of the best in the in, in the country and he went um in the first round, then he came back to South Florida and took another one and now he's looking at being one of the best in the country. And, here yeah, we and a are. lot of people are, you know, a lot of people on that one have have, have cried foul, and they said Alabama cheated there, and uh, and I know that there's a deep belief on that because I've heard of those accusations everywhere, but nobody's ever really been able to prove any of that, and it's been looked into, I think, pretty closely. So I don't know, you know, I mean, you know, obviously it could be true, but but here's the thing: it's like you look at like like um, I made a point on the more on a board when I said I really watched the Miami game against Virginia Tech. And to me, it's like, you know, you, you see the same thing. You see some good things. You see potential from players. But then you see the same mistakes over and over again. And they're not just player mistakes, but, but coaching mistakes. And it's like, I told them, it's like watching like a Tuesday, a Tuesday game of two like Sunbelt teams, you know, because you got two teams that were trying their hardest not to win the game. You know, two teams that are just committing crazy mistakes. And then you have the like, players just coming out of nowhere, you know, playing good. You see some some bright spots and, you know, some little sports center highlights. But at the same time, you got two teams that are just like, you know what, no, I don't win the game. You win the game. No, I don't want it. You win the game. And it's like it's like maddening. The, the maddening thing about Miami and, and I think the maddening thing about what we see as Canes fans, you see the potential of all these kids and all these players. You know, you see them coming from high school, from the South Florida, you know, schools, from the, you know, the seven-on-seven leagues. And, and then, you know, you see the potential that we, that we can have with them. But then they come here and they like disappear, or you see like glimpses. But then you see like one kid, like one kid go to like LSU, or they go to you know Alabama, or they go to Florida. You know, like like um, uh, Chad Wilson's son who went to uh, Florida, who we who we missed out on because um they didn't recruit him, 
and we took the ball, the, the, the guy from uh, Northwestern instead, who's not even playing, um, Chad Wilson's son was sticking uh, um, um, Laquan Treadwell and shut him down the whole game when Florida played Ole Miss at corner. But, yeah, we didn't take him. You know, we, we went to the, the guy from um, Miami Northwestern who can't even get on the field, you know, over him. You know, we and you, and you see you see these guys, you see like a Carlton Davis go to Auburn, and Carlton Davis is already looking like, you know, he's going to be a player at corner. And like a caller had just mentioned, you know, you, you know we had Artie Burns, but then, you know, who's coming out to Artie Burns? And, and well, they tried to get Carlton Davis. They did. They tried there. I don't like Carlton Davis because they just lost. Uh, but they tr- they tried to get him. But some of the other ones but, you but, mentioned, with, without question. But you, but you, but you missed out on Carlton Davis, Devontae Davis, Ja'Kerry Wilson, who went to Georgia, who was in Coral Gables. You know, you, you missed out on um, Arnett, from Arnett, who was from St. Thomas Aguinas, who went to Ohio State. You know, yep. these are like six foot, six two corners. I don't that I mean these dudes? These dudes, these dudes and, not and, grow and on they, trees. They, they won't grow on trees. And, and they won't be wrong on all those kids. But there's no doubt that talent evaluation's been an issue for the staff, and that's one of the reasons why they're on the hot seat right now. I mean, and it definitely. The thing about it is, like, and my last point, and I'll let you go. It's like you. The thing about it, like, I think one thing you know, uh, I've always been like a. I mean, I don't really have them say in my top five, but I've been like a supporter of Mary Crystal Ball because you, you need that kind of coach that can close on these kids. You know, like case in point, Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick or Alabama, you know, Minka could have went to any school he wanted. As a matter of fact, he could have went to Florida State and walked into a starting job because they lost Ronald Darby and um, and the other corner last year. They lost two of the starting cornerbacks, okay? They didn't really have nobody coming back at the corner position you know, and, and and granted, they got the um, the five star kid, um, Tarverius McFadden from um, Heritage, but they played. But he could have walked into a starting job at um, at Florida State, whereas Alabama, you had not only um, you know established corners, but you also had a, a, a five star kid from from um, Texas who uh, played last year in Brown, uh, who was playing last year. Then they had redshirted another five-star kid, Marlon Humphrey, who was uh, from Alabama, and they had a couple of like like um, four like four-star 6.0 kids who um, they had like redshirted and, and played last year as well on that squad already. But Mario Cristobal was still able to bring in Micah Fitzpatrick, you know, regardless of what Bama already had over the ro- on the roster, you know, despite him saying I can go to FSU and pretty much walk into a starting job. And that's the thing. It's like that's one of the things I think the Miami failures has been. It's been it's been a failure of being able to land these impact kids, these elite kids that can change a program or, or change the style. And then when they have gotten kids that could be difference makers, they haven't really been able to develop them. You know, they haven't been able really to to showcase them. So you know, that's yep. all I had to say. All right, so man. Hey, thank show, you as man. always. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for being part of it. Uh, give us a call next hey, week. Give me a hold. Right. Yes, sir. Well, the show's over. Um, guys, th- you know, I want to thank everybody who called in tonight. Um, great show, as always. Uh, I hope our Clemson fan in- enjoyed listening to the knowledge that you guys have of the Hurricanes. Although he sounded like he knew his team pretty well. i got to give him a little bit of credit. I want to thank our sponsors tonight, uh, FanDuel.com. They've been with us all season. Uh, if you want to get into fantasy football, when you go to FanDuel.com, use the code name Kane, C-A-N-E, and they will match for you up to $200, your first deposit. 
and you'll earn it as you play. And then SeatGeek.com if you need tickets to any sporting event around the country. Uh, SeatGeek is a great place to go to get a good snapshot of what the market's like. They, they filter in uh, ticket options from hundreds of online ticket sellers, and they, they create a great one-stop shop for tickets. If you want to save $20 on your first ticket purchase, and if you pick the right event, that's almost like going for free, uh, just download their app, use the code name Kane, C-A-N-E, and they will rebate you $20 off your first ticket purchase. Well, we got Clemson Saturday. should be interesting. A game, obviously, that's going to go a very long way to determining the future here at Miami. And I know I'm interested, and I hope all you guys out there who are listening tonight are going to join me at the stadium on Saturday. Tell your neighbors, tell your friends, get out there, support the kids. No matter what you think of the coaches, those kids deserve support. This is the game of their lives for a lot of them. And uh, we'll see what happens. And then we'll be back here next Tuesday night uh, to talk about it, as always. So have a great night, everybody.